Wah, huh, yeah, what's the podcast good for? Absolutely everything that's going down in Hollywood, that's what it's good for, if you didn't know. Man, for the third week in a row, they are making us earn our little uh, slogan of, if it's happening in Hollywood, we're talking about it. Literally. Man, it is jam-packed, y'all. Yeah, like, be seriously. prepared, man, be prepared. And of course, we have a very, very, very special guest for you guys this week. This guy right here, Joe Rafa, coming on the show to talk about anything and everything. This guy is basically everywhere when it comes to filmmaking. Writer, producer, director. Like, this guy is awesome. I can't wait for everybody to hear this interview. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And, and he's doing it right. Yes. When, when you listen to this guy's advice and you hear how he's been able to pull it off, you guys are going to realize this is how you get it done. Hell yeah, so. hell yeah. Well, let's get this thing started. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 153 Ooh, this week. Rolling. Damn, rolling, rolling, rolling. Man, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Well, you guys know my your host with the most, myself, J-Lo Fantastic, <laughs> and the one only mouth. <laughs> What's up? Guys, like we said, it's going to be crazy. And are you sharing passwords of your Netflix account, uh-huh. letting other people use your profiles? That might not be the case anymore. Netflix is trying to crack down on yes, that. Yes. And I mean so many. I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> Netflix had a lot of news, though. Like, a lot, good news, too. Not just, like, yeah. you can't use your other people's passwords anymore. They had good stuff. And, of course, Disney's annual shareholders meeting uh, was was this week, and we got a whole bunch of stuff from Chappick. Boy, did he say a lot. Yeah. Um, and we can't talk di- the mouse without the bunny. Exactly. Shit ton of, shit ton of Warner Brothers stuff. So, man, you know, we're going to be talking. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyandmedia.com. Com, where you can start rocking the latest, greatest Crazy Ant Media gear right here, right now. Yes. And of course, you can donate to our Patreon page. Start showing some love to the guys that you love, and we all know you do. <laughs> but man, let's get this thing started with racial inequality. Ooh, getting what? deep right What's off the podcast bat. that I tune into? This one right here. That's right. According to a new study released this week by McKinsey and Company, systematic racial inequality is costing the entertainment industry roughly $10 billion a year. That's yes. with a B. Yes. <laughs> In a six-month study by barriers facing black professionals within the film and television industries, looking primarily between uh, years 2015 to 2019, McKinsey found that addressing racial inequalities in who makes the content and who the content is marketed and distributed could result in a 7% increase in an annual revenues to each one of the boards. And I would be like, the, the, this is not surprising, right? Like, I mean, the amount, $10 billion, that's kind of like an eye-opening it's number, insane. right? But but we knew this was happening. We knew this was going on. So I would be curious to see now, though, because Disney, right around that time, right, t- 2019, 2020, started hammering home with the diversity and the uh, equality movement, right? Um, it, you, as far as uh, the um, African-American community with Black Panther, right? Like, like Iger's big push to get it made and now all the diversity. So I would, I'm curious to see 
did Disney see that 7% increase from the movement that right. they've been making, right? So, uh, But it's disturbing, guys, and this should have happened like a long time ago. Exactly. It's sad that we have to have a report like this to bring it to people's attention that you could be making more money if you hired talented African-American people or any people of color, just like period. I mean – I why? know. All the companies are hiring specific people to be put in charge of diversity, so which is very good. Everybody – is making a move towards this movement, yeah. so which is great. So we shall see what happens, and of course we'll keep you updated on everything that's going down with this. That's right. Hey, were you wondering who was going to tell you who's nominated for an Oscar? You know, would it be a, a former Oscar winner? Would it be like I don't know somebody that could potentially be nominated this year? No and no. No and no. No. How about a Jonas brother? Yes. Yeah. There the you best go. Best one. How about a Jonas brother? And a wife. Yes. Even better, right? Well, Nick and Priyanka Chopper Jonas are going to announce the Academy Award nominations in all 23 categories. What? In a two-part live presentation Monday. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Now, remember, that shit jumps forward on Sunday. Don't, don't set your timer. Yeah. <laughs> this will be conducted via global live stream on Oscars.com, Oscars.org, and the Academy's digital platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Yes. So you can just... Follow on their uh, Twitter and boom. And then, of course, up. GMA as well. Freak it. I was watching yeah. this morning. They were like, oh, don't forget. Monday we're announcing that shit. So I'm excited. That's right. That's right. But now, remember, GMA is tape delayed. So it'll be announced before you see it on GMA. So just, it's tricky. Exactly. It's tricky. Exactly. But just look for the Jonas and his wife. And you'll get it. You'll be it's good. Fun. You'll be good. Well, I'm sure everybody has seen this past week. Los Angeles theaters are about to reopen. Mm. Governor Gavin Newsom announced this week that movie theaters in Los Angeles County would reopen at 25% capacity or 100 people, whichever is fewer. I mean, all the theaters across the country have been doing this. Uh, as soon as tomorrow, yeah. given a short order notice, notice, it is unclear what theaters, uh, which theaters will actually open their doors this weekend. Theaters in New York City, one of the largest movie markets in the country uh, recently opened at a reduced capacity on March 5th for the first time in nearly a year. Yeah, yeah, and saw decent numbers. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing L.A. is trying to, you know, copy that and, and hopes that the people turn out there like the way they did in New York. So Slowly but surely getting back to normal, guys. Yeah, and our next story, because we're jumping to the House of Mouse now, uh, CEO Bob Chappick, um, who now, like, like he's the guy because in the annual shareholders meeting this, this week, Iger said goodbye. He's not leaving till December. But he said goodbye yeah. <laughs> to the shareholders. Anyway, this news about the theaters was big news for Disney, too. Like I said, they held their annual shareholders meeting this week, and uh, Bob Chappick, new CEO, took center stage finally. It wasn't like Bob Iger and then Chappick, just Bob Chappick. That Bob. Um, <laughs> he took the reins from Bob Iger, as you guys remember, in uh, February of 2020, right before COVID. Ooh. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad mm. for him for that. But. While it was a crazy year, and we've been telling you about it the whole year, you know, the shutdown of Disney World and Disneyland and all the stores and the movie theaters and all that kind of stuff, this is what the crazy thing is. Disney stock went from $79 when he took over as CEO. Now it's up over $200 this week. So in this crazy-ass year, say what you want, Chappick CEO or because Iger was still there for whatever reason, but under Chappick CEO tenure, in this crazy-ass year, he took the stock price from $79 to $200 a share. Why? 
Disney Plus. Of course. <laughs> that was the big, big, big thing from it. Um, he also had lots of questions from the shareholders because we like to question him because that's our money. Exactly. So um, Chappick was asked about the company's dis- decision to fire the Mandalorian's uh, Gina Carraro. You guys know, you remember, she got in a little trouble there, in a little trouble. You know. He said um, that after she made the series of statements on social media that likened contemporary political differences to the Jews and Nazi. Um, yeah. He uh, said that he doesn't believe that the company let her go or or – because the shareholders were basically saying, you fired her because you guys lean left. And he was like, I don't really think that we lean left or right. Um, he says that uh, he believes that Disney is interested in standing for values that are universal such as decency and integrity as well as in making content that's reflective of the rich diversity of the world that we live in. Yes. And so that's where his answer was. We don't lean left or right. We lean towards values and and morals. So, okay. Yeah. Kind of dodged the question, but it was a good it was a good dodge. It was a good dodge. Very presidential. Very presidential. It was very presidential. But then the next big one that keeps hammering everybody wants to know because of the huge success of The Mandalorian and the kind of like iffy box office lately with Star Wars films is Kathleen Kennedy on the way out? Will she be replaced with John Favreau? Well, the answer is a resounding no. Not uh, Chappick said he's absolutely thrilled with Kathleen Kennedy's performance. As a, sh- I'm mm, no, mm, no, no. It, you mm, no. no. Okay, we don't we don't agree with that one, but um. Anyway, he's looking forward to having Kathy direct the activities of Lucasfilm operation for many years to come. Uh. Uh, yeah. What? I just say give it to Favreau and Dave Filoni and let them run. Yeah. That, that's where it would have been really cool. Um, he also mentioned that Disneyland Resort and Disney California Adventure Park are going to open in April with limited capacity as soon as April, guys, right around the corner, a couple of weeks. So that's exciting. This comes as the uh, state you just heard is opening up the theaters. They're also re- doing uh, easing up restrictions on all of the outdoor venues and stuff like that. So that's really kind of cool. Um, ooh, yeah, so that. And then he reiterated, just to follow up on um, the theaters, Black Widow, May 7th, holding strong. In the theaters, in the theaters, in the theaters. That's what Chappick said. He actually did that. He actually did that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. But, but but he reiterated there are no plans for Disney+. Plus. Black Widow will hit when it's supposed to, May 7th, in theaters. That's good. And I'm, especially with all these theaters opening up, that gives them much more confidence that that's actually going to happen. With the vac- more vaccines rolling out, more people getting vaccinated, this is a very good time Hopefully for it to stay open and for that to finally premiere because I mean, we've been waiting over a year now. We so. have. We have. Biden seems pretty like confident that by July 4th that like the country will be back to normal. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll see. see. But Disney Plus, Disney Plus has pulled Peter Pan, Dumbo, and some more uh, things like we've talked about with the Muppets that uh, – Putting that little discrepancy at the beginning, well, they decided with these two properties that they're going to completely pull them from the kids' profiles due to negative depictions. And the reason why is, like we said, uh, some of the older films have been updated with content advisory notices for various reasons. And if an advisory has been added to a film, then it will no longer be uh, discoverable on the actual kid profile. So if you want your kid to watch it, go to your profile and let them watch it under yours. I mean, kudos. 
kudos to them. They didn't yell at, like yank them completely off Disney Plus and censor you. You know, they just put the warning and censored, took it away from the kids. So yeah. that I mean, that's good. It makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a smart move. And then speaking of right, like I said, seventy nine dollars to two hundred dollars. Well, why? Because Disney Plus, we keep telling you, it just was like a freight train, it's right? Going man. with subscribers. Well, now they're over a hundred million subscribers world. You heard that right? All over a hundred million. That's up from 94.9 million, so say 95 million that Disney had just last month. So in less than a month, they've added another five or six million That's subscribers crazy. in less than a month. Netflix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here comes Disney. I'm just saying. Just exactly. And especially if they rework their premiere access thing, I bet you get more subscribers. I bet you would. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But latest casting announcements in Willow. Everybody's super excited about this thing. Yes. Ruby Cruz has landed a female co-lead opposite of Ellie Bamber and Aaron Kellyman in Willow Disney Plus and Lucasfilm's upcoming TV series about the follow-up of the 1988 fantasy movie everybody is super excited about that now she does replace uh kaylee spaney who had been originally tapped for the role but after uh extensive recasting process they decided to go a different direction yeah it happens man this is a business this is a business and shit happens but willow is coming back the willow is coming back i mean that that's the key one right you can't recast him that's really I, all I, that I mean, that's so, all who matters i mean seriously but congratulations that's awesome that's awesome hey did you guys notice something different when you went into disney plus did you guys or or hulu or like all those disney streaming things probably hulu right did you notice that espn is there now <laughs> nice recovery. it's true yeah it's true <laughs> yeah. seriously <laughs> because that's what i do i recover i recover i'm, I'm sleepy uh hulu is now offering access to espn plus sports uh I, I like i said if you went into hulu you saw it it's up there if you have the bundle deal it's right there which is pretty awesome because um Customers are subscribers who are also ESPN Plus customers and will now be able to uh, purchase ESPN Plus pay-per-view events, including UFC, PPVs, um, and uh, everything right there in Hulu, which is pretty awesome. Uh, to access ESPN Plus programming on Hulu, users can purchase the ESPN Plus add-on for the $5.99 a month, which includes Hulu with ads, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus for $13.99. So that's the best way. That's what we have. Yeah. And that's the best way. Way to do it then you get all of that exactly like, I mean, and i think this brings more exposure to the espn uh app because i don't i feel like not a lot of people know about it and especially yeah, no. people who have the bundle just normally use hulu or disney plus but now yeah if you put that in hulu i bet a lot more people will click on it oh yeah so, like, and it's bold like yeah. it's in your face in hulu That's so good. yeah no it's good because look at all the documentaries the jordan documentary yeah. and like all the yeah i mean they have some great programming on espn plus so that's a good move it is it is and an interesting Interesting move that James Cameron and everybody else decided <laughs> to do this week. Uh, China's Film Bureau approved a surprise plan for re-releasing Avatar. James Cameron's Avatar that enabled a wide re-release in the country starting today. The film is currently available to exhibitors for a nationwide release, uh, both IMAX 3D and the original 3D, and this is an unexpected rollout. Like I said, we didn't know about it, and we're on top of everything. That's right. And uh, no doubt, this is for Avatar to regain the number one grossing movie of all time above Endgame. Yep, and so. before we started recording, I saw that it's, it looks like that's going to happen. Yeah. It, it looks like in just today just today's release it, it's it's gonna pass it yeah so here's my theory rdj is gonna call up 
and say, "Hey guys, listen. How about let's let's re-release Endgame? Exactly. Right? Come on. And, and then that's that's what's gonna happen. I think that's what's gonna happen. It I'm should just saying. happen. And if it doesn't, what the fuck? Yeah. Feige, come on now. Come on, man. You can't have Cameron <laughs> fucking take your thunder. What the fuck? Yeah. Why? Like I don't. It's good for Disney all the way around because yeah, they own is. both now, right? They own Avatar now, but but still, what the. I know. Brandy. Remember Brandy? She did that Cinderella movie with Whitney Houston back in the day. Remember Brandy? She, Brandy was awesome. Brandy. Brandy, yeah. <laughs> and Ray J's sister. Like, yeah. you know, we're like, you know, okay, yeah. however you know her, she's going to be part of Nasty Bitches. Ah, shit. Yeah, queens, 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 queens. Okay, Brandy Norwood is signed on for one of the lead roles in the ABC drama pilot, Queens. Yes. Brandy will play Naomi, better known as Explicit Lyrics, oh. the highly skilled musical engine of the nasty bitches. Oh, shit. A true artist with boundless musical talent, Naomi was certain she'd go on to mainstream success after the group's demise. She didn't. She did not. Singing and playing her guitar in crappy dive bars where all the people want is her old persona. When the group gets back together, Naomi is reunited with the only man she ever loved. And the rival bandmate who stole that man from her. Fuck, this is intense. You needed Brandy for this. But what Naomi wants more than anything is to build a relationship with the daughter she was never really there for. If she only knew how. Damn. Drama, drama, Damn. drama, man. <laughs> they bring Damn. it to you. Moesha, Moesha, Moesha. You remember she was Moesha also. It's, I'm old. I'm old. Okay, move on. Okay. <laughs> ABC has set a cast for Adopted. It's a single camera uh, comedy pilot co-written and executive produced by the one and only Jimmy Kimmel. The series co-creator Sean Vance, whose life has inspired the series, will star as himself along with Bruce Campbell and Wendy Malick. And the series focus on a green Brett Vance, who returns home from Texas from a military service, and he and his family struggle with challenges of adopting a new brother, a 12-year-old Russian boy. Oh, mm. damn. Oh. All right? Shit. I know. Okay, here's the thing, though. It has Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Which means it's going to be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Groovy, baby. I mean, <laughs> anything that has Bruce Campbell is awesome. Yes. So kudos, Kimmel, for bringing in, like, yeah, I mean, it's just. Exactly. I mean, I, I know it's my, I, I want to do this one, but this is all you, man. Go exactly. for it. Go for speaking it. Of awesome, <laughs> speaking of awesome, all those people who were disappointed last night with the Grays fucking comeback episode killing off DeLuca. Well, Damn, spoiler warning. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But. Some exciting news has also dropped today. Sarah Drew, you know, April Kepner herself, is coming back for a guest appearance spot on Grey's Anatomy. So we're so super excited about that. They need to bring Sandra O oh back, Christina Yang, because that would be fucking epic. But this only makes sense, especially since Dr. April Kepner has a baby with Jackson, who's still on the show. So there it is, guys. There it is. Still be willing to watch Grey's Anatomy, even though they keep killing off your <laughs> most favorite characters. I, I think this is the last season. Yeah. I'm just saying. It should be. It should be. It yeah, should be. It should be. Okay. Hulu has acquired the U.S. rights to sci-fi thriller Mother Android. Mm. Damn. Starring Chloe Grace Moritz. Oh, I love her. She's great. The streamer will premiere the movie at some point this year. The film is set in the near future and follows Georgia who's Chloe, and her boyfriend Sam through the treacherous journey of escape as their country is caught in an unexpected war with artificial intelligence. Oh, shit. Skynet. Oh, shit. <laughs> Days away from the arrival of their first child, they must face no man's land, a stronghold of the android uprising in hopes of reaching safety before giving birth. Now, 
we know it isn't John Connor because that shit's Sarah. Yeah, who's exactly. she giving birth to? That's I mean, the real I mean, question. It really does sound like a knockoff of Terminator. A little bit, it? a little bit. I'm excited though because I've never seen her in a role that wasn't kind of like geared towards a teenager role. Yeah, that's so, true. I mean, she's actually going to be playing a mom, so that'll be interesting. That'll Definitely. be interesting. Uh, FX has ordered a pilot based on Octavia E. Butler's novel Kindred, oh. and the pilot will be written and executive produced by Brandon Jacob. Jacob Jenkins and the project <laughs> centers around Dana, a young black woman aspiring writer who has uprooted her life and familiar or familial obligations and relocated to Los Angeles, ready to claim a future that for once uh, feels all of her own. So she's finally going to get the dream that she's always wanted. Uh, but but that is going to come with some consequences. Uh, she finds herself being violently pulled away uh, ba- or back and forth in time from the 19th century pl- plantation with which her family was most su- surprisingly linked with. So that's a lot happening, man. That is intense. Yeah. That sounds deep. Good kudos for like Disney for like taking chances on all this. This stuff, is though, that right? diversity shit. Yeah, this man, is that racial inequality. I love that. I absolutely love that. Hey, <laughs> switch it over to the bunny. Uh, did you guys get that surprise Easter present early? Huh? <laughs> right. Huh? Say you wanted to see the old cat and mouse, right? You guys love Tom and Jerry, right? Everybody loves Tom and Jerry. It was doing good. You want to check it out? Well, instead, you got. Zack Snyder's Justice League, at least for an hour, yeah, at least right. for a little bit. Of course, I'm talking about the big news. They, uh, they, it was a surprise. If you went and saw Tom and Jerry, or you tried to do Tom and Jerry, it, for some reason they released Snyder's Justice League cut. Um, they saw it early. They, 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 they were like, "Oh shit, hold on, wait a minute." They addressed the problem and had it down within minutes. But for the people who were lucky enough, they got that first full hour. And it happened in North Carolina. In which we didn't tune in. Damn it. I know. I know. And that guy said after seeing the hour, he's definitely all in on the 18th for the four hours. So, I mean, there you go. See, if th- this is a point. If you would have given Tom and Jerry a chance, you would have been able to see the sneak peek. It's true. Uh, see? It's true. I mean, AT&T also announced a cheaper ad-supported version of HBO Max this week, and it's set to debut in June. The company said now it expects between $120 million and $150 million for HBO Max there subscribers you go. by the end of 2025. Now, that's up 75 uh, to $90 million from what they previously projected back in the fall of 2019. So that's going to be very interesting because, I mean, they're by no means like a competitor with Disney Plus or like some of the new streaming services. They're kind of on the lower end of the totem pole. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, and you would think it would be a little bit better because they have just as, like the content they library have an that endless Disney. amounts yeah. of shit, man. So I, hopefully that hey, they're no Peacock though. They're not. So just you roll HBO Max. Yeah. You're doing great compared Bullet to them, them man. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, that guy that I just talked about, you know, Zack Snyder. He uh, he is canon. His version of Justice League is canon, people. And you want to know why? Because I say that? Because this story right here. Because all of the people that he cast in Justice League and all of these, they continue to keep casting in other movies. Give the man the credit. I'm, of course, talking about Kiersey Clemens. She's going to reprise her role that Zack Snyder gave her in (laughs) Justice League as Iris West in The Flash. Clemens was cast in the role for Justice League by Zack Snyder. 
Snyder, but her part was cut out after the theatrical version after Zack left the production. By the way, it's being restored in the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, so uh-huh. you'll see her in there. Um. Yeah, and so production begins on the movie next month uh, with Andy Muschietti set to direct. Ezra Miller, as you guys know, is coming back as The Flash. Duh. And and this is the big one because both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck are returning as Batman mm. in this film as well. Mm. Yeah, this one's going to be jam-packed. This is basically DC's version of Spider-Man 3. That's right. Like, there's That's right. everybody and everything in this film. Yes, that's so, not it, though. That's not it. That's not it. Uh, that's not the only casting news for The Flash. Maribel Verdo, who has been cast as Barry Allen's mom, she's going to be expecting to play the pivotal role in the upcoming comic book adventure. At the same time, though, Billy Crudup oh. is departing. Yes. Because of scheduling conflicts with the morning show, which makes sense because his character is absolutely fucking phenomenal on the morning show. So go with that one. Yeah. He won an Emmy for it. So yeah. Duh. Yeah. And I mean, he's like, what? Like, you know, 18th on the call sheet in the flash. Yeah. So. And he's like number three on the morning show. I'm thinking that's where he goes. Yeah. That's 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 a smart move. Good job. This one. Okay. Yeah. Warner Media. You know, it, it, it's just this. This is the culture that we're living in. Thanks, Weinstein. This is where we're at, and I, I seriously, Warner Media announced this week that Pepe Le Pew is not going to be featured in any current Warner Brothers TV projects, and there are no current plans for the controversial cartoon skunk to return. The news comes just days after it was reported that Pepe Le Pew was scrubbed from the upcoming Space Jam 2. Now... Although the fallout seems to stem from the New York Times opinion piece in which it said that the character seems to have normalized a rape culture. That's right. Pepe Le Pew has normalized a rape culture, according to the New York Times. Warner Media said, actually, they decided to scrub him from the movie ages ago, more than a year ago. And it has nothing to do with the New York Times article. Hmm. Makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. I probably after all their own Me Too shit going yeah. down in Warner Media, they're exactly. like hey, yeah. exactly. Blame the skunk. All I'm right. not sad by this though. He was by far probably my least favorite character. <laughs> he always kind of creeped me out because of this shit. No means no. I'm just saying. No <laughs> means no. That's right. Me. You don't just paint a stripe and say yes. No, no it uh-uh. doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Woo! This next one, I'm so excited. I know. Go for it. Then. Oh, okay. Kaylee Cuoco. Yes, Kaylee Cuoco. You love her. You the know, Big Bang Theory. You know. Uh, how, oh, how to date my teenage daughter? Eight ways to, to like way back. I'm taking it way back. Anyway, her Yes Norman Productions is going to join forces with the one and only mastermind behind television right now, Mr. Greg Berlanti, mm. and Warner Brothers Television. And by the way, they work together on the flight attendant. That yeah, they created that together. Okay, they're going to develop the story of Doris Day. As a limited series. Mm. Yeah. They got the rights to A.E. Hotchinger's Doris Day, her own story. And newsflash, Quoco's going to play Doris Day. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, the iconic actor, singer, and animal rights activist. No network currently uh, attached to this project. But if I had to guess... I had to guess HBO Max got a pretty good lead. Probably, yeah. Pretty good lead since they both have deals there. And I'm just saying it's being done by Warner Brothers Television. It just seems to me like that would be the place to exactly. go. Exactly. It's very exciting too because it's going to follow her whole career. Like literally since yeah. she got started until death. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot of shit that comes out. Oh, I feel man. like. I love Doris Day too. Yeah, man. Yeah. And 
fellow flight attendant star Michelle Gomez has been cast as Madame Rogue in the upcoming third season of Doom Patrol. Yes! The character is described as a complicated yet electrifying energetic who arrives on the Doom at Doom Manor with a very specific mission. And if she could only remember it, though, mm. she's got a lot going on. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> Doom Patrol was renewed for a third season at HBO Max back in September, so be expecting more news about this to come out soon. I'm betting more casting announcements and more exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm super pumped about that because that's a fantastic character, and um, I can't wait to see how she comes to life live action. Yeah. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. Now, this next one, I'm not even going to lie. Here it is. Caught me completely <laughs> off guard. I'm like, no way. Marvel fans, are you with me? Because you're probably going to think the same thing after you hear this. What does this mean for Secret Invasion? What does this mean for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, moving forward? We don't know, but here's why I'm asking. Because apparently the live-action Powerpuff Girls pilot has found its three leads. Yeah, it is. And one of them, like I said, going to surprise you, it's Chloe Bennett. Holy shit. Chloe Bennett. Yes, <laughs> Quake. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Quake, Chloe Bennett. What? Right. What? Came out of nowhere. I mean, I would have never even... Dove Cameron, perfect choice. That's fantastic, by the way. And Yana Perot are also joining the show. But the big news is is Chloe Bennett as Blossom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just... So there's been hints galore that she was going to be part of the Secret Invasion series that's eventually going to be coming. You know, because she plays a pivotal part with Captain Marvel and the Young Avengers. Quake does. So, like... What does that mean? Of course, nowadays with all the streamers, it seems like the schedules just bounce back and forth yeah, and you're literally. able to do like all these different things. But, I mean, I hope anyway. But this is exciting. By the way, this would reunite if you're a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Bennett and Cameron, because they were both on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the same time opposing each other. Mm. You remember, yeah, Dove Cameron's little badass bitch who quake <laughs> like beat the shit out yeah never mind no, uh, no, no, agents no. of shield fan i'm a geek don't hate me no, okay it's all good it's all good uh caitlin kinnan and yes. bella ortiz has signed on as lead roles in an untitled nun dramedy pilot at the cw they're not doing anything wrong right now but this one's kind of questionable uh the pilot centers are on two millennial nuns one is a true believer and the other one is new to the everything that's going on who has hasn't taken her final vows yet the two strangers become sisters on a spiritual and spirited level the journey uh, to understand their own faith and place in the catholic church and uh Kinnanen will star as sister francis described as oh. a um complacent angel on your shoulder an impress our impressionable people pleasing young nun who believes in the power of thoughts and prayers and never breaks the rules until she meets Sir Maggie. Hmm. Oh, shit. Uh, Ortiz is going to be playing Miss Maggie, described as a daredevil on your shoulder, and a radical millennial nun hell-bent on shaking up the power structures of the Catholic Church. Oh. Oh, shit. And she's from Brooklyn. That makes sense. Hey. That makes hey. sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a very interesting premise, man. Like, and millennial nuns. Catholics are going to be pissed. I mean, I guess there, but, I mean, there are millennial nuns, there right? Are, I yeah. guess. So, you know... Their story needs to be told. 
and the CW is going to do it. There it is, man. Okay. All right. Hey, our buddy J.S. Mayank, you guys know him. You love him, America 2.0. He's a huge, huge, huge Lost fan. Yes. So he's going to be excited about this one. Josh Holloway, okay? You guys know him. Sawyer from Lost. Apparently, he's coming to the HBO Max series Duster. Mm. Duster. Duster. Which hails from co-writers LaToya Morgan and J.J. Abrams lost <laughs> set in the 1970s southwest duster explores the life of a getaway driver for a growing crime syndicate oh. holloway will star as the driver Shit. the role reunites holloway with abrams because as i said he was sawyer on lost now will the getaway car be a duster mm. a plymouth that's duster a great question i mean you know <laughs> i it only made that, that's what i'm getting from the title the Getaway Car is a Plymouth Duster. I'm calling the series finale right now. They're in purgatory. I'm just saying. They're in purgatory. <laughs> it's not real. Eventually, Lily will be there. Everybody will reunite. It's going to be fantastic. Because they were together on Lost. There you go. He was there the like the rival for Jack with the, like, <sighs> okay, Matthew <but> Fox. Come <laughs> on. JS, you feel me. You know what I'm talking you about, know buddy. What talking about. All right. This segment was for you. <laughs> Uh, Patty Lapone and Aaron Hayes has signed on to HBO Max comedy pilot. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> In the show, a self-centered Boomer, Lapone, shows up at her estranged daughter's house, uh, Hayes, by hopping in on a live, uh, oh shit, to live off their family money, but forms an unexpected bonds with her progressive granddaughter, who's quick to challenge her on their differing views, <laughs> of which there are plenty, trust oh. me. So that's going to be very interesting. Hopefully that can show how the generations can unite and there can be peace and love and happiness maybe a hug or two so i'm guessing the progressive granddaughter is going to be like aoc probably like i mean i'm guessing that's like that type of a character like oh okay yeah all right all right interesting this next one hmm. yeah okay i'm a little concerned about this one because if you tell the full story we got to go to the theater yeah you remember? Okay, all right. Okay, HBO boomer. Documentary Films is in production on a two-part documentary about the life of Paul Rubens, Mr. A.K.A. Pee-wee Herman. Interesting. Now, the Rubens two-part documentary will trace the life of the imaginative artist behind one of pop culture's most unlikely icons, Pee-wee Herman. Sources say the documentary is expected to focus not only on Herman's years, but also... Ruben's post peewee decades uh. when he put the bow tie away to focus on serious acting and some other things exposure in yeah. the theaters he was in blow he was in blow with johnny depp he was that's the only other thing i've seen him in he was uh penguin's dad in batman returns oh. yeah 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 he yeah mm-hmm. yeah but that, he's never gonna live down that infamous no, exposure that one's gonna be thing. very interesting that's a very interesting one to make a documentary about. it is so it I, is i don't know man angela robinson has signed a multi-year deal with warner brothers television group under the terms of the agreement the director and writer of professor marston and the wonder woman i haven't seen that oh one. my I heard gosh that was good. so good um so will good. develop and create original scripted television programming for warner brothers platforms which includes on demand and the streaming service like hbo max so that one's going to be very interesting uh financial terms for the pact are non are not disclosed but the source say it was valued at an eight-figure deal, so she getting paid. Yes, yes. You definitely need to check out that, man. The creator of Wonder Woman was a 
Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, yeah, no, yeah. There's a reason of like the whole bondage thing and like the bracelets and the yeah. It's you'll find it out all if you watch that movie. Oh man. Hey, did you hear about this little interview that kind of happened? Here it is. <laughs> Just tiny one by the only O that matters, and she proved why that's true. Oprah Winfrey's explosive interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle drew a huge audience to CBS yeah. this Sunday evening. Um, well, done. We all knew it was. 17.18 million viewers throughout its two-hour broadcast, a 1.45 rating in the adults aged 18 to 49, key demographic. It was also CBS's most-watched live stream event outside of the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, uh, the Harry and Meghan special drove 12 billion potential social media impressions drawing the largest primetime audience since the Academy Awards of 2020 and for any entertainment special during the 2020-21 season. The special has been seen by more than 49.1 million viewers worldwide so far, and it keeps going up. And when she showed up the next day for Buddy Gale on CBS This Morning, who's normally in third place behind Good Morning America and the Today Show yeah. with like 3 million something viewers, 74% increase in viewers, up to 7.9 million viewers that day to That's see what crazy. Oprah didn't share the night before. Who's the only O that matters? Yeah, right. Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> You're welcome, Gail. I mean, damn. I know. <laughs> and uh, like everybody, everybody was talking about it when she was like, what? Yeah. That what That's became a meme, a meme now. Yeah, and it's like. It's so funny. And how awesome was it when she got mad at Harry? Oh, shit. You didn't ask her help for your wife? She was snapping. What? Mm. Like, mm. yeah. It was crazy, man. It was absolutely crazy. It was like a three and a half hour thing, but they fucking roped it down to just two hours so there's so much under like i hope they put that on like paramount plus or oh something. yeah oh yeah and oh, and hey you want to know why it's not yet because there was some question about that like why isn't this on paramount plus with why can't we watch it anywhere well the reason is is because while cbs paid a little bit of money to to air it on cbs Oprah owns the streaming rights to <laughs> it, not CBS. So, so that's why it's not on Paramount Plus yet. So if you want to see it, you're going to have to pay Oprah to see it somewhere on the streaming. So, um, And the fallout, guys, I mean, obviously, the whole Piers Morgan thing, he got, like just slammed Meghan Markle, saying she was lying and full of shit. He doesn't believe her. And he walked off the set, so apparently he's gone from that show over yeah. there. And then the talk... Fired back at Piers Morgan, calling him all kinds of shit, saying what are like. And now, it was crazy. This, yeah, this is my favorite. Pierce is demanding an apology from the ladies of the talk. Like, hey, fuckface, did you hear what you said about Meghan Markle? Yeah. Fuck you, and you want an apology? <laughs> like, what a dick. Whether Meghan's telling the truth or not, if somebody says that they think about suicide and they want to kill themselves, you don't fucking call people out like that because that's why people don't go get help, you douchebag. Exactly. Because you put a stigma on. It and they're scared to tell you when they have a problem. So why don't you go back under the fucking rock you live under? You, I'm sorry. I'm mad because this is a, an important. We've been talking about mental health. And when you put stigmas on that like that, Harry wouldn't even ask for help for Megan because he was embarrassed to have to admit that she was having those feelings. That's the stigma, guys. This is important, man. It is important. And kudos to Megan for coming forward and saying it. Uh, because I mean, it needed to be said and, and just... Okay, I'm sorry. All right, Mission All right. Impossible has cast some new people. <laughs> oh, man, Carly Ellews and 
our girl right now. She's freaking everywhere. Yeah. Andrea Varma and Rob Delaney, Charles Purnell, and Mark Giddis, and so many others, man. <laughs> of course, they joined Tom Cruise, Vanessa Kirby, Rebecca Ferguson, and countless, countless, countless more people. So this is this is, might be the best Mission Impossible yet. They keep getting better as more come out. I mean, they've got Agent Carter and now Indira. Yeah, like, man. What? I know. That, that thing is going to kick ass. I agree. Good for Tom Cruise for lining them up, huh? <gasps> hey. Have you ever wondered about Kenneth Branagh? Maybe that the way he walks, you know, like you can tell by the way. He's, no, no. Okay, okay, Boomer. All right, I know I'm old. I'm just trying. Okay, all right, fine. Kenneth Branagh has been tapped to direct the upcoming Bee Gees biopic for Paramount Pictures. Mm. I'm loving this. The movie will center on the life and times of the genre-spanning band following the humble beginnings of the brothers Barry, Maurice, and Robin Gibb into their journey to pop superstardom. And disco. Yeah. Following their first number one hit, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart, the Bee Gees went on to write and perform hundreds of popular songs and worked out the soundtrack of the 1977 film Saturday Night Fever, which launched them into superstardom and also killed them. Yeah. Same time. Yeah, at the same time. Literally while they were touring from the success of Saturday Night Fever... People were burning disco records back. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. Watch the documentary and you'll see what I'm talking about. But I'm excited about this because biopics are huge right now. Yeah. And uh, we're, we talked about this and we think this would be a great idea though because if you've ever watched the Barry Gibb talk show on Saturday Night Live, we think JT would be an excellent Barry Gibb. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. We want our 10% though. <laughs> uh, Patty Harrison, who is making history right now, uh, in March, she became the first trans actor to voice a character in a Disney film. Oh. Uh, the animated Ryan the Last Dragon, which is out right now, premiere access only, and appeared in 2018 Blake Lively film A Simple Favor. She has joined the cast of the Paramount Pictures romantic adventure The Lost City of D, opposite of the previously announced Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum and Harrison comes on board, but nobody knows anything about the role. Nope, nope. So. The Lost City of D, that's my city. Yeah, so there you I'm go, man. Saying. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, yes. I'm super excited about this because I'm a huge Star Trek Discovery fan, which, as you know, launched this show that's now official and it has gone into production. I'm, of course, talking about Star Trek's latest series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Paramount Plus announced it started filming. It's officially in production. Um, they also announced newly added series regulars because Duh, you gotta have the whole crew, right? So they're adding Babs, Olusugamonkun, Christina Chong, Celia Rose Gooding, Jess Bush, and Melissa Navia. They join the series leads, as you guys know, Anson Mount, Captain Pike, and Rebecca Romaine, uh, as you guys know, uh, she's number one. And then, of course, uh, Ethan Peck, who's Mr. Spock. Yeah. Strange New Worlds is based on the years that Captain Pike helmed the USS Enterprise before Kirk took it over. Mm. So that just begs the question, will we at the at, towards the end of this series see Kirk? Mm. I it, know a lot it, of Trekkies are excited. And that this isn't because remember Discovery takes place right before Kirk also. It's in that time frame. So that this yeah, I'm super pumped. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But exciting news happening over at CBS. Uh, the Equalizer starring Queen Latifah has been renewed for a second season. It's an hour-long drama. If you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to head over to Paramount Plus and stream it now. Queen Latifah is kicking some badass. Like, yeah. And, like, she's fucking epic. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I hear everybody loves it. I hear it's, it's really, really good. good. I haven't checked it out yet, but I need to. 
more epic news at CVS, and I love this. You guys remember Jay Alex Brinson? We had him on the show. He's fantastic. All rise. They're going to add another person in the guest starring role that I'm a huge fan of. Amy Acker has signed on to guest star in this coming week's show. It's going to be fantastic. It's titled Georgia, and Acker's going to guest star as the titular Georgia, an elegant fiercely confident international human rights attorney and professor who is visiting the Hall of Justice to lead a seminar in unconscious bias. Oh, shit. Yeah, Amy Acker is, like, fucking brilliant. I love her. She's so awesome. Currently re-binge-watching Suits. Remember, she's Lewis's sister and just, like, so this is fantastic. She's going to fit in on that show beautifully. Definitely, definitely. Katrina Law is joining CBS and CIS in a recurring role. Law will play an NCIS React special agent Jessica Knight, a oh. formidable React team agent who specializes in hostage negotiations and handles daily high-risk operations with a skill and precision. Sharp, athletic, and tough as she is raised by a single mother who had to fight for everything in life and is damn good at it. Fiercely torrentious and is has a wit sense of humor. Jessica is married to a stay-at-home dad who is raising their infant son. So now that we know their whole life, be sure to check it out. Yeah, and I think the reason they gave such a detailed description like that is because while it's a guest of it, she there's an option to become a series regular on the mm. on next year. So that makes sense. It does. Like they gotta have that whole story. Hey, there's some uh fanning news. How about I take Dakota Both. and you yeah. take L? That's fine. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's start with the elder, Dakota. She's joining the cast of Showtime drama series Ripley. Mm. She joins previously announced cast members Andrew Scott and Johnny yes. Flynn. And in the series, Tom Ripley, a grifter scraping in early 1960s New York, is hired by a wealthy businessman to travel to Italy to try to convince his vagabond son to return home. Tom's acceptance of the job is the first step into the complex life of deceit. Mm. Fanning, Dakota, <laughs> will play Marge Sherwood, an American living in Italy who suspects darker motives underlie Tom's affability. Mm. Oh. Which would make sense because this is Moriarty, guys. That's this right. Is Moriarty That's from right. Sherlock. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be exciting. Yes. He's such a great actor. Uh, L. Fanning, other Fanning, baby Fanning. <laughs> Uh, has been cast in Francis and the Godfather. Yeah. Everybody knows this is the movie about the making of the classic end-all, be-all mobster film. Fanning will portray actor Ali McGraw, and who is married to Robert Evans, uh, the head of Paramount's production. So that's going to be very Yes, the golden boy, the, the, the man who saved Paramount back in the day. You know why this is interesting, though? Because for anybody who's old as dirt like me, Ali McGraw left... Uh, Robert Evans, after she filmed a love story with Ryan O'Neill, they had a little affair and oh, left her husband, who was the head of Paramount. And whoopsie! You know, I wonder if they did anyway, that. Uh, I, I, you would hope that they put that. I mean, because that was all going down during the Godfather making. So yeah. you would hope so. Um, hmm. Let's see. After a multi-studio bidding war, Paramount Television Studios has landed the thriller series Grace. From writer Joseph Sousa with Scott Derrickson on board as the executive producer. Scott Derrickson, you guys know him, love him. Uh, Doctor Strange, the yes. original Doctor Strange, yes. Um, the project generated interest from around a dozen major studios and production companies when it was taken to market. The story focuses on a man on death row for killing his wife who is set free when she resurfaces. Shit. But she may not really be who she says she is. Oh, so... 
Okay, he's, so he's convicted. He's on death row for killing her. Oh, but she's not dead. Hey, here I am. But is it really her? Is it her? Damn, that sounds intense. It does uh, sound no intense. network or streaming service is currently attached, but we will let you know where we find out where that bad boy's going. Of course, of course. And more casting announcements about the First Lady. This wow. is the much-anticipated one. Everybody knows about the Presidents and the First Ladies. Uh, Lexi Underwood has been cast in a recurring role of Malia Obama and the Showtime anthology series. And of course, this is the oldest Obama daughter and described as an open minded and intelligent young woman who approaches uh, her parents to make socially conscious decisions. Underwood received a strong acclaim in her role as Pearl in Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu with Reese Witherspoon and uh, Carrie Washington. She's a phenomenal freaking actor, guys. Really like, is. So be sure to check her out. She was also in Criminal Minds, The Good Doctor, Family Reunion, Will vs. the Future, and she made her Broadway debut at 11 in The Lion King. Damn. So she's a badass. Yeah, talented as shit, man. Well, wow. That's, like, that cast just keeps getting better and better and better and better. It That's does. Like crazy, man. Okay, Showtime's got some other stuff, though, besides just the First Ladies. It's true. <laughs> it's got all also got an upcoming series called American Rust, mm. and they've added Satan. Satan, that's Satan right, fr- from Supernatural. I'm talking about Mark Pellegrino, of course, as a series regular. He's going to join Jeff Daniels and Maura Tierney in the drama series, which is scheduled to begin production pretty soon, uh, later, uh, I guess, at the end of this month. The family drama explores the tattered American dream through the eyes of a complicated and compromised chief of police, Del Harris, who's Jeff Daniels, uh, in Rust Belt town of southwest Pennsylvania. When the woman he truly loves sees her son accused of murder, murder harris is forced to decide what he's willing to do to protect him damn damn that's intense mm, that does sound intense but jeff daniels i mean fuck right man. he's he's awesome heading over to nbc universal peacock they didn't do so good this year like we've been talking about <laughs> it's not the best streaming service um peacock had nine a uh, 914 million adjusted loss in 2020 according to the comcast filing with the sec this week comcast said peacock had 33 million signups in the u.s at the end of the year but hasn't provided metrics on how many of those are paying subscribers that's what you get when you have a free cert or a free tier that's right just that's saying. right and they, they worded it very carefully signups yeah because you could sign up for the free ship but then you did once it was over, did you keep like did you sign up for the paying and like yeah that's mm. well it's free always yeah yeah like yeah. So, i mean it, that's it's not a trial like but, it's always free but don't they have like a like one where you can pay up though like to like add some shit to it or something i like have that? no idea but when you first sign up like it's free and it doesn't give you your or you don't have to put in your card information or anything i will say this though like you heard me say earlier we're currently i'm re-binge watching he's f- first time suitor yes we're both watching suits right now and it's on peacock so that's a win it is that's a win and it's the good shit it's the one where they curse and do all the like it's the good shit (laughs) suitors suit up man come on because you know life is here but as harvey says we like here Go I watch. just watched that episode. <laughs> it's so I, good. I it's so good. There's so many quotes. I fucking love that show. <laughs> All right. Steven Spielberg. This is a really I'm interesting about one. This yeah, one. maybe he'll finally answer the call for McAllister. Right. I would love maybe. it. Maybe. <laughs> he'll put that in the movie. If you've yeah. been a longtime fan of the show, you know exactly, you what, know we're exactly what we're talking about. You know exactly what we're talking about. Steven Spielberg will direct a coming of age movie that is loosely based 
on his own childhood. Yes. Uh, yeah, growing up in Arizona. Michelle Williams is in talks to star in the untitled film uh, in a major role. I'm going to guess his mother. Spielberg co-wrote the script with Tony Kushner, who penned Lincoln and Munich and West Side Story for the director. Um, screen tests are being conducted to find young actors of multiple ages to play Spielberg. Uh, there aren't many plot details available for the film other than it will focus on a main character who is not named Steven as a young child and teen. The protagonist will be living in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where Spielberg lived in the late 50s and early 60s. The film will also examine the character's relationship with his parents and be split across time periods. Damn, they gave away too much right there. So it's a Steven Spielberg <laughs> This Is Us. Basically. I mean, that, uh, that's, that's what it sounds like. Who's not named Steven. He's not named steven but it's like like, yeah 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 interesting um (laughs) elizabeth banks man she i she's making interesting decisions when it comes to directing this just sounds weird i know because it's true it's really weird uh has signed on to direct cocaine bear which is described (laughs) as a character-driven thriller inspired by true events that took place in kentucky in 19 1985. Phil Lord and Chris Miller's production banner, Lord Miller, uh, will produce the project as part of the duo's uh, first look deal with Universal Pictures. The the story is inspired by a true story involving cocaine smuggling and a 175-pound bear. According to a New York Times report published back in 1985, the bear died of an apparent cocaine overdose found by a Georgia Bureau of Investigations in in northern Georgia. Among 40 open plastic containers with traces of cocaine, the cocaine was apparently dropped from a plane piloted by Andrew Thornton and uh, a convicted drug smuggler who died back in September. Oh, died September 11th in Knoxville, Tennessee because he was carrying a heavy load while parachuting. Mm. What the fuck? That's a lot happening. So that guy, like, not only killed himself because he was too stupid, but he killed a poor bear. He killed the bear. That bear, 40 (laughs) containers of cocaine. Dude. That bear was fucked up. I can only imagine. Oh, man. I would not have wanted to have been around that bear before he died because he was probably like, He was going crazy. Woo! Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. I know. I just like, yeah, okay. Take that with what yeah. you will. Yeah. Hey, some really good news if you guys are a fan of Superstore and we're upset that America Ferrera left. Well, she's coming back. She's going to return to reprise her role for the series finale, which is ending its sixth season run with an hour long farewell on March 25th. As I said, she departed her leading role in the second episode of season six. Uh, she'd been with the show since it premiered in 2015, and she not only starred in it, but is an executive producer and directed a lot of episodes of it. So, good though, because I hate when somebody leaves a show and they like don't come back for the series finale. Yeah. Like, it, especially if they haven't killed them off. Yeah. So, you know, it's like there's a lot of people that can't come back for it. Exactly. But hey, exactly. America Ferreira can. And she is, so there you go. Yeah, NBC's upcoming drama series about Dan Brown's character Robert Langdon has been ordered to series, but not only as a uh, not at NBC as originally planned. It's going over to Peacock. They're trying to boost mm. those subscribers. Based on <laughs> Brown's international best-selling thriller, The Lost Symbol, the series follows the early adventures of famed Harvard uh, symbologist uh, Robert Langdon, who's being played by 
Ashley Zuckerman, who most solved a almost solved a series of deadly puzzles to save his kidnapped mentor. Oh, that's a lot happening, man. That's, that, that's that, intense. Yeah, I see why it's going to the Peacock. Yeah, just like just run Suits and West Wing, <laughs> and that just be done. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> hey, are you a fan of the Queen of the South? I can honestly say I have not watched this show, so I don't know. Nor have I. But it is pretty big on USA, and unfortunately for anybody who is a fan of it, it's ending. Yeah. With its upcoming fifth season, which will mark the end of the NBC Universal Cable Net's long-running scripted series. Production on season five of the show, which was renewed back in August of 2019. Of course, you know what happened there. COVID shut it down, so it had to wait for a little while to come back. Um, The 10-episode season, the previous four had 13 each. And this one, like I said, will only have 10, and it's going to premiere at 10 p.m. Wednesday, April 7th Mm. for its final season. Interesting. April 7th for its final season. Check it out. Check it out. Um, The TV adaptation of George R.R. Martin's Wild Card uh, book series is moving moving from Hulu to the Peacock. Uh, The project was originally set up at Hulu in 2018. Andrew Miller, who had been attached to write and executive produce the project at Hulu, is no longer involved, and the project remains in development as the search for a new writer is ongoing. In the series, an alien uh, phenomena known as the wild card virus is released over manhattan in 1946 altering the course of human history damn uh the virus rewrites dna mutating its survivors a lucky few are guaranteed um awe-inspiring superpowers while a sad majority are left and with often repulsive physical deformities oh so you either get superpowers or you're the toxic avenger that's That's oh man yeah okay all right Hey, Will Forte, you remember him? He's pretty awesome. He's teaming with the Peacock for a suicide drama called Expiration Date. The series revolves around Robin, who's going to be Will Forte, a man who is consumed by grief and finds a life insurance policy that covers suicide, provided that the individual doesn't carry out the deed within one year. Content that has his family will be provided for, content that his family will be provided for, Robin sets his expiration date and contemplates how he will spend his final year. It's going to be a long 12 months. Damn, this is like what? Yeah, right? Man, okay. I bet this show takes some flack for encouraging suicide. Mm. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put that right out there now. When it hits, I mean, look at the problems with 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. This show, will will see that same type thing, I bet you. Yeah, agreed, man, agreed. NBC and WWE have announced that starting March 18th, the WWE Network will start rolling out on the Peacock and that a standalone, the standalone WWE streaming service will go dark in the U.S. on April 4th. (laughs) So NBC and the WWE have said to dedicate a page on Peacock, just like how Marvel does on like Disney Plus and things like that, yep. and we'll let all viewers browse at least access all their content. And of course, they will be able to pay for the pay per view events that happen every so often, which is super awesome. And apparently, there will also be some originals like Steve Austin's The Broken Skull Sessions, WWE Chronicles, WWE Icons, and a newly weekly episode of NXT uh, the day after the originally air on actual network oh so yeah i mean a lot of people are excited about that because there's a lot of wrestling fans yeah you know that I, i'm just gonna say that's a smart move if you're trying to draw people to the peacock 
drawing the wrestling crowd is a good move. I agree. I mean, that's smart. Hey, Sony has a lot of news and none of it is Spider-Man. Right? <laughs> what is going on? Are you a K-pop fan? No. Yeah, no. Rah, rah. Well, well, Sony Pictures Animation is developing K-pop Demon Hunters mm. from directors Maggie Kang and Chris Appleheim. The movie is described as an action-adventure that follows a world-renowned girl group as they balance their lives in the spotlight with their secret identities as Demon Hunters. Mm. It will be set against a colorful backdrop of fashion, food, style, and music. Interesting. It sounds like Jim, but with K-pop. Right. Everybody's too young to remember that, so let's move on. Yeah, Sony has announced this week that it will be uh, <laughs> opening an upcoming horror movie, The Unholy, on April 2nd. The film of uh, follows Alice, a young hearing impaired girl who, after a supposed to a visitation from the Virgin Mary, oh. is inexplicably able to hear, speak, and heal the sick. As the, world, uh, the word spreads, people People from near and far flock to witness this miracle. A disgraced journalist who is played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, yes. hoping to revive his career, visits the small New England town to investigate. That sounds very freaking interesting. Uh, I mean, anything anything with you know Jeffrey Dean Morgan is like going to win. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Agreed. Now, who's this film coming from again? I have no <laughs> idea. It doesn't say. No, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hey, MGM's got some news. It's official. We we kind of we kind of talked about this and uh but I mean this was a no-brainer but it's official now. So yes. we're going to tell you. MGM announced that Michael B Jordan is going to make his directorial debut with Creed 3 and they gave us a release date, November 23rd of 2022. Nice. Tessa Thompson and Felicia Rashad are expected to return for the third installment, which is written by Keenan Coogler, Ryan Coogler's brother, uh who also did Space Jam: A New Legacy. And Zach Balin, who did King Richard, based on an outline by the man himself, Ryan Coogler. Nice. So, yeah, that's going to be fantastic, man. I'm so excited to see Michael B. get in the chair and do the directing thing because he's so fucking talented, man. I agree, man. man. I just, this is the next step for him, man. Hell yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Epic's president, Michael Wright, has been tapped to succeed uh, Steve Stark at MGM as the studio's head of scripted television. The news follows the departure of Stark, who is exiting the studio after a decade and transitioning to a a producing deal. In this position, Wright will oversee MGM uh, scripted television development and production of scripted programming, while continuing to oversee all aspects of premium cable network's epics, from its growing original programming slate and distribution to leading creative and marketing. So he's just doubling up his workload. Damn, he's going to be a busy man. Yeah, he all really right. is. Congrats to him. Definitely. Oh man, this next one, man. I'm super pumped because I'm a huge fan of Snoop Dogg way back, way back. Me and my little bro. Uh, Snoop Dogg has signed on to be a part of Star's Black Mafia family. Mm. The rapper will recur on 50 Cent's upcoming dramatization. We, you remember, we talked about this one, of the lives of Demetrius Big Meech Flannery and his brother Terry Southwest T. Flannery, kingpins of a wide-reaching drug syndicate that came into power in the late 1990s. But what's Snoop Dogg going to be playing? Snoop Dogg's <laughs> going to recur as Pastor Swift. Yeah, Because when you think of a pastor, I think Snoop Dogg. He's going to be the spiritual advisor to the Flannery family. He's a man of his word, the aura of an ex-con. Swift is a godly man who works to keep Meech and Terry on the straight and narrow 
but the holy man will eventually become one of the Flannery family's closest confidants, which will put him at odds with the patriarch, oh, Charles. Oh, shit. <laughs> mm. Intense, man. Intense. So he's going to be a pastor that knows about all their shit. Makes sense. And you can't, like, it's like, you know, a lawyer. Yeah. There's a confidentiality. You can't, like. Exactly. Mm. It makes sense because in power, 50 Cent also incorporated a drug dealing pastor as well so. <laughs> 50 cent well is that coming up in four life right like i'm just shit. saying 50 cent got a theme going ladies all right who did okay. you know sir who did you know <laughs> oh man uh florin mantu uh he's a roman a uh, romanian boxer turned into an actor is in final talks to join eli ross adaptation of borderland he will portray creek a hulking protector of Tiny Tina and the teenage explosive expert in the video game series inspired uh, the upcoming movie. Now, this is the uh, Grogage guy, right? Yeah, he was Drago's son in Creed Yeah, yeah. there it is. There yep. it is. And, of course, everybody knows Kate Blanchett's in this thing, Kevin Hart, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jack Black. So many people are attached to this thing. So it's going to be very freaking epic. Yeah, and I'm pretty pumped because this, I mean, if everything goes, he's also set to be in uh, Marvel. So Shang-Chi. Nice. In the Legend of the Ten Rings. So I the guy's rocking and rolling. Hey, guys. Lucy Hale's going to give it one more shot. We'll see. She, she's like, I mean, it's been rough since Pretty Little Liars, right? She just has not. Other than the New Year's Eve gig, she's been having she a hard time. She should be a reality TV host. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but she's going to give it another shot with TV, you know, because she's had some fails here. But I'm, I'm, this one's going to hit. Lucy, this one's going to go, okay? We're rooting for you. Lucy signed on for a starring role in the AMC series Ragdoll. Now, this just sounds really interesting. In the six-episode show, see, it's only six episodes, so you guys can watch it, catch on, have it be huge. Come on, give Lucy a break, okay? <laughs> uh, it was ordered to series back in February. Now, here's the premise, and it sounds really cool. Six people have been murdered, dismembered, and sewn into the shape of one grotesque body nicknamed the Ragdoll. Assigned to the shocking case are D.S. Nathan Rose, recently reinstated to the London Met, his best friend and boss, D.I. Emily Baxter, and the unit's new recruit, D.C. Lake Edmonds, who's going to be Lucy. The Ragdoll killer taunts the police by sending them a list of his next victims with Rose's name among them. Uh Uh-oh. And with those victims to protect, our heroes soon come under intense public scrutiny. Oof. Damn, that sounds intense. That does sound intense. Like cutting people up and then... Taking body parts and making a new body? What the fuck? Right? Wow, that's a lot happening, man. (laughs) Uh, Well, heading over to Netflix, uh, we teased this a little tiny bit. They're cracking down on the password sharing and not... At least if you're not in the same household, guys, it's absolutely crazy. Netflix has launched a new test that displays a warning to some users that says if you don't live in the same household that the owner does, then you need to get your own account to keep watching. Uh, Peer peer, uh, Netflix's terms of service, a customer's account for the streaming service may not be shared with individuals beyond your household. And, And in the Netflix test, the prompt provides three options to the users they can get an email or a text verification code to authenticate the account or they can click on the button that says verify later or the uh the message also lets users sign up for a new account so i plead the fifth on this one i plead the fifth (laughs) it's okay i I, i've got my account it's true i've got my account and you are in my household it's true you could use my password it's true 
There. There, Netflix. Exactly. Uh. We've solved our problem. Now solve yours. <laughs> now solve yours. <laughs> hey, one thing they are doing right, though, and I'm super stoked about is I was really worried about, like, what's going to happen to Lucifer after mm. Lucifer ends with this coming season. You know, because I love Tom Ellis. He's fantastic. Well, it's okay, guys. Lucifer is staying home at Netflix. Tom yeah. Ellis is, is going to stay at home. Gina Rodriguez and Damon Wayans Jr. are set to star alongside Lucifer himself, Tom Ellis, in the romantic comedy players <laughs> so lucifer is going to still be lucifer it's going to be fantastic <laughs> which centers on chicago sports writer mac who's gina rodriguez who has spent years devising successful hookup plays with her best friend adam which is damon wayne jr but when she unexpectedly becomes infatuated with one of her targets Tom Ellis, which, because everybody falls for Lucifer, that's his thing. It only makes sense. They are forced to confront the idea of a true relationship. Mm. Oh. Intense. Oh. Very interesting. What's your deepest desire? Is is Tom Ellis, uh, is he going to do that? Is he going to, it sounds like Lucifer. Right. But I'm super stoked that he's staying home because he's awesome. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, Kirk Sutter has been set to, by Netflix, to write, direct, and produce This Beast, a drama that will mark his uh, feature directorial debut, uh, Blumhouse's Jason Blum will produce the film. The film is about an 18th century English village that is besieged by a mysterious and crazy ass beast. Apparently, dozens of uh, uh, yeah, dozens of innocents are slaughtered by the mayhem and is driven by are is driven by religious fanaticism so that oh the impossible task of killing the beast falls to a lower trapper who promises he can stop the carnage but for him this is not just a hunt this is a professional mission and it's a deeply personal one damn yeah now this is uh kurt sort of like sons of anarchy right Mm, that guy mm -hmm. yeah so this uh, i mean it'll be good yeah it'll be good it sounds intense uh, let's see. Annie Murphy has been cast in Russian Doll season two at Netflix. Uh, news of Murphy's casting comes as the series recently began production on its second season. Details of Murphy's character, surprise, surprise, are being kept under wraps. Murphy's best known for her role as Alexis Rose in uh, Schitt's Creek. You guys know where you love her. So, but uh, I hate when they do that. Like, no, no. It's keeping under wraps. Oh, but damn it! Oh man! So having an all-star cast is the thing now for animated films. Yes, and Netflix. Netflix is going right with the flow with that one. Netflix has set a cast for its live action animate or animation live action hybrid limited series Lost Ollie. Mary Ooh. J. Blige, Gina Rodriguez, Jake Johnson, Tim Blake Nelson, Keesler Tablet, and Jonathan Groff have all been cast in major roles in the four episode series. Now it's inspired by a book. And by William Joyce, it follows a lost toy on an epic adventure searching across the country for a boy who lost him. And the story is of a boy uh, who lost more than just his best friend. So is it a different perspective of Toy Story? That's what it sounds like. Is is it the perspective of Andy? It's what it, yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. The real question is, will Jonathan Groff remind any of them uh, what, what what he'll do to you know remind you of his love? Exactly. <laughs> And Gina Rodriguez is apparently going to be pretty busy for Netflix. Right? Um, Hey, Lily Reinhardt. Lily Reinhardt, Riverdale. You love her. You love her. You love her. She set her next feature film project with Netflix. Apparently, she's going to star in dual timeline drama 
plus minus. Mm. She's going to star as Natalie, whose life on the eve of her college graduation diverges into two parallel realities, one in which she becomes pregnant and must navigate motherhood as a young adult in her Texas hometown, the other in which she moves to L.A. to pursue her career. In both journeys throughout her 20s, Natalie experiences life-changing love, devastating heartbreak, and rediscovers herself. Damn. That's a lot happening. That's like, so we're going to follow two different versions of her through two different, like... Right? Does she enter in both to see what it's like and then figure it out? I don't know. That sounds really freaky. Right? Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, The Netflix series First Kill has (laughs) cast Imani Lewis and Sarah Catherine Hook in lead roles. Netflix ordered eight episodes back in October. It will begin production later this year in Savannah, Georgia, which is a beautiful place. Yes, it is. In the show, uh, when it's time for a teenage vampire, Juliet Fairmont, who's played by Hook, to make her first kill, she will take, uh, she can take her place among the powerful vampire family. She sets her sights on a new girl in town, Calliope Burns, who's played by Lewis, uh, but much to Juliet's surprise, Calliope is a vampire hunter. <laughs> From a family oh, of celebrated slayers, both fine other and won't be easy to kill, and unfortunately, way too easy to fall for. Oh. What? So they're supposed to kill each other, but then they fall in love? I, I guess, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Man, that sounds intense. That's a lot. Are the Council of Dads okay? Right. Will they be in on this? Will they, like, guide? They should. Like, they, they should. They should. They're still in Savannah, damn it. Okay. Hey, <laughs> Zach Efron's okay. He's all right. Remember, he almost died on season one of this? Okay. But he's well, coming back. He's coming back. Netflix announced that production on the second season of Down to Earth with Zac Efron has begun in Australia. Mm. In the new season, actor Zac Efron travels around Australia with wellness expert Darlin Olean in search of healthy, sustainable ways to live. The host brings viewers to beautiful locales where they seek out sustainable practices in a way that is both educational and enlightening, embracing local food, culture, and customs throughout their journey. The second season is expected to premiere sometime next year. Hey. He's committed. He is. He's really committed. But James Gunn wants you to know he is not being cast in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Thing. Like, he's not looking for a Zac Afron type, a Zac Afron type, blah, 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 blah. Um, I thought that was funny. I thought that like, was he, too. Because he was like, news to me. Yeah, right. I don't know where you people get this, but I'm not looking. Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, Netflix has renewed Selling Sunset and Bling Empire. Brandon Rigg, the streaming vice president of Unscripted and Documentary Series, announced the renews this week. Selling Sunset has been renewed for season four and five, while the second season of Bling Empire, which premiered in January, has also been ordered. So, I mean, Netflix has a lot of shit. So, congratulations. There you go. Hey, Jennifer Salt. He's feeling pretty good right now, and I'm I'm at odds with this one. I just I anyway, you know Jennifer Salky, she's the head of Amazon Studios. Well, she said in a statement, quote, the Zamunda royal family has arrived, and audiences around the globe welcome them enthusiastically. Why did she say that? Because the premiere of Coming to America 2 has far exceeded any of her wildest expectations. She touted numbers from the digital entertainment group Screen Engines uh, Video on Demand and it says that it shows that it was the number one opening weekend of any streaming movie in 2021 so far and the number one weekend of any streaming movie in the past year in the wake of the pandemic. So, no actual numbers but that's what she's saying it is that's what she's saying it said and um i watched it and uh yeah 
I love Eddie Murphy. I loved the original Coming to America. And, I mean, the, the, all the characters were there, everybody but his mom because she had passed in real life. But all the characters are there, and it's, it's a lot of shout-outs to the 80s and a lot of great stuff. But for me, I, there were too many Wakanda jokes, I thought. And on top of that, it's really just like Coming to America but with different characters, like with his son kind of going through the same thing as he did. So, yeah, eh. yeah. And yet Eddie Murphy apparently is already in talks for a third one. That's stupid. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just wasn't impressed. Well, I wasn't apparently impressed. Amazon is ordering The Boys spinoff. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's nearing a series order. In addition, Lizzie Broadway and Jazz Sinclair have joined the ensemble cast. The project is the first to have told you of being in development in September. And it is set America's only college exclusively for young adult superheroes. So, that's going to be very exciting. The untitled series is described as an uh, irrelevant R-rated show that explores the lives of hormonal uh, competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to test. Damn. Right? Damn. You knew this was going to happen, though. When we talked about it way back in September, as soon as they talked about it, you knew Because the boys is so huge, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah. All right. Hey, Paul Bettany. Yeah. Vision. You know him. You love him. Claire Foy. The only queen. Uh, Paul Bettany and Claire Foy have signed on to a very British scandal. Amazon Prime's follow-up to a very English scandal. Foy and Bettany will portray the Duchess and Duke of Argyle, a.k.a. the key players in one of Britain's most salacious divorce cases of the 20th century. Uh, It will be available on Amazon Prime Video in the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and on BBC One and BBC iPlayer in the United Kingdom. I remember this story, and um, I'm wondering if they're going to address the uh, Polaroid and... um drugs and like this is a very very interesting story oh, yeah. they could not have picked two better actors to do this so it's going to be phenomenal hell yeah amazon studios in, is in negotiations for fuel a pitch for an action vehicle movie with journey smollett oh. uh, she is attached to produce the with the i love craft country ep Misha green and the plan is to develop this as a vehicle for smollett to play a will woman a fresh take on a familiar character the film is an action-packed female empowerment story that will subvert the relationship between cars and masculinity uh the heroine is a getaway driver who is conquered into a working for a criminal uh that is breaking all the rules as she is set out just for herself damn i know okay i love journey though so that'll be awesome yeah uh apple let's go over to apple ron howard and brian gracer's imagine entertainment you guys know it you love it they've apparently signed a multi-year first look deal to create scripted features exclusively for apple that's interesting because they used to have a really good relationship with disney so mm. the company is currently producing lin-manuel miranda's upcoming musical drama tick tick boom starring andrew garfield vanessa hudgens and judith light and bradley whitford 13 lives the real life story of the cave rescue in thailand lee daniels remake of the terms of endearment and a whole lot more. So Apple's going to have all that shit. Apple has also extended their first look deal with Imagine Documentaries. So that's awesome. It does make Good sense. Good for them, man. Definitely. Dominique Fishback has signed on to co-star with Samuel Jackson in Apple drama series, The Last Day of Penelope Gray. Ramen Berlani is coming on board to direct and executive produce the limited series. Jackson stars as Gray, a 91-year-old man forgotten by his family, by his friends, and even himself. Mm. On the brink of 
seeking even deeper into the lonely life that is dementia. Uh, Gray experiences a shift that when given the tremendous opportunity to briefly regain his memories, he uses this precious and fleeting lucidity uh, to solve his his nephew's death and come to terms with his past. Uh, Fishback will star as Robin, a friend of the family who helps Penelope. Hmm. Yeah, man. That sounds interesting. Right. Hey, Natalie Portman and Lupita Nyong will star in a series adaptation of the Laura Lippman novel Lady in the Lake. It's been ordered straight to series at Apple. Um, I guess it's going to be a limited series. That's everything now, limited series. It takes place in the 1960s Baltimore where an unsolved murder pushes housewife and mother Maddie Schwartz, who's going to be Natalie Portman, to reinvent her life as an investigative journalist and sets her on a collision course with Cleo Sherwood, Neong, a hardworking woman juggling motherhood, many jobs, and passionate commitment to advancing Baltimore's black progressive agenda. Huh. Damn, that sounds intense. It does sound intense, man. Fantastic. Right? We got there, though. We got there. The end of week three of Crazy Woo! Amounts of Industry News, and we appreciate you guys for sticking around for the guest segment. We're so yes. super excited. This guy right here, Joe Rafa, coming on the show to talk about anything and everything for his career. Like we said, this guy is just a very humble individual and when he's delving deep inside of like different acting rules different directing techniques and producing ways this guy is just on top of his game yeah and we're going to find out all about his upcoming film that's getting ready to debut at the end of this month at the film festival so we're going to tell you dates on how to watch that and everything this is a pretty awesome one agreed agreed well here he is Joe Raffa, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And uh, congratulations on hitting uh, 150 episodes. That's pretty awesome. Oh, oh, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, we're just, we're blessed to have been around this long and, and keeping going. And, you know, it's people like yourself and all of our guests and our amazing listeners. And we're thankful for you guys. So thank you for saying that. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, what we want to do first is kind of do, do a little introduction for all of the listeners out there who may not be familiar familiar with your work or who you are so let's let's talk about it a little bit because it's a really interesting story you know you're coming from a J- jersey and, or philly right and then moved and raised in jersey uh italian parents got the business got a little ice business going on but you want to be a filmmaker so talk about how did that translate how does it how do you go from that kind of a background with the family and say hey i want to do filmmaking talk about that did you know from a early age you wanted to just that's what you wanted to do or did you kind of fall into it or how did it happen man yeah as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a storyteller um and luckily i was blessed with uh really supportive parents and while uh you know our italian ice business pops water ice in south philly you know started from my great-grandfather oh there a you staple go. of the city for decades now um you know while we're very passionate about that they always pushed me to you know discover my own path you know do what you're really passionate about and what you really love um and i remember you know when we got our first computer i was seven and i always liked to write and i always liked to tell stories so my dad encouraged me to type them on the computer and i used to save them on these old relics called floppy disks yes <laughs> and i remember i had this like floppy disk organizer and i was so fascinated because i could hold this world of ideas in my hand and then once somebody put a video camera in my hand it was it was over i knew i knew i wanted to make movies for the rest of my life so i did everything i could to kind of put myself on that path um that led me to temple university where i enrolled for film uh but i only lasted a semester i dropped out (laughs) and i used the money i'd save for college raised some more financing myself and uh, i made my first feature and that's kind of like the crash course uh of, of real filmmaking for me and that led to another opportunity which led to another 
uh, I moved to LA, and I like to say that I've uh, I failed upward, and here I am now. <laughs> I really like that, though. I really like that. I mean, personally for me, and I don't know if it's the same way for you, but hands-on experience is way better than just sitting down and taking notes on stuff. I need to know how what this button does, what this light does. Like, I need to know. I need to put my hands on something and just get the ball rolling. Is it like that for you as well? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you know if you are somebody that could sit in a classroom and, and absorb that information and apply it later, that's wonderful. That just, that wasn't me. I needed to be out there. Um, and then again, with my family, uh, we have a very entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. Uh, we always like to like forge ahead and form our own path. So um, that was kind of just in my DNA and I kind of embraced that and went with it. Well, in that first film though, it, 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 I mean, seriously, no joke. It was called, you know, my name, but you, you wrote it directed it edited it starred in it i mean for anybody who who isn't familiar and we have a lot of listeners that are trying to break into the industry and and up and comers that that are just getting started and so they may not be familiar that is like no joke when you take on that type of a responsibility and and workload and do it all yourself i mean the pre-production process alone is massive post-production is insane when you take on the editing and all of the stuff that goes into the post-production side of it and then of course production when you're directing yourself because you're starring in it which is hard to do for even seasoned individuals let alone your first film out um talk about that a little bit what was that experience like and we were just talking uh, prior to the interview we were wondering the name the name was uh, you'll know my name was that intentional like i'm gonna make this film and it's gonna do like what i wanted to do and you'll know my name when it's finished like tell us the story behind the name and how it was man yeah i was kind of um i was at that time in my life i had a lot of teenage angst yes uh, <laughs> i really identified with uh really identified with rebels out of cause there you uh, right? go and i kind of wanted to make this modern day version of rebel out of cause cell phone um so i felt like the name of the film kind of encapsulated that absolutely uh I, you know, in terms of uh, wearing so many different hats in my first project, I got really lucky. I, I, I surrounded myself with the right people um, who really, who really, I, I relied on them a lot. And uh, as, a, as a filmmaker, I just embrace collaboration. Um, I try and absorb everyone's ideas. And I think, you know, uh, every production needs oxygen, right? And as a director, I feel like you're the filter and you're kind of filtering all these ideas through. Uh, and if you start blocking out people's ideas, then the, the filter's going to get clogged and your production's not going to get any oxygen. So I always um, relied on others. And that's what really got me through my first project. Uh, I had a lot of help uh, from the casting process at Mike Lemon Casting mm-hmm. uh, through new friends I met along the way. And they kind of just they made it all possible. But, um, you know, I understood that it was going to be a learning experience as well, which was freeing for me. Absolutely. And when you work on a small independent project, uh, a lot of times you might get called thinking like, oh, man, if I had more money or, I, you know, we, we have limited resources. I tried to flip the script and say, like, that's right. Look at all this resources we have. We just play around. <laughs> we're, we're just going to pretend we're in a sandbox and have some fun. And that, that worked out really well for us. There you go. And I mean, that's the attitude you need to have in this industry. I mean, especially with you also being an actor, so many people audition for so many things and say you'll audition for a hundred projects and you might only get one because I mean so many different obstacles could stand in your way for that certain project but talk about that a little bit from being in a mental health state because we've been talking a lot about that this uh, new year making sure we bring new light to it and everything but with taking on all of that responsibility as so many different aspects as a filmmaker actor writer producer director how does that affect your mental health? Is it a lot? Is it strenuous? Or do you have ways that you can just cope with it and like let go of the stress? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think art is extremely important for society, mm. but I like to remind everyone that, you know, we're not saving the manatees. We're not performing open heart surgery. At the end of the day, when we make a movie, we're playing uh, make-believe and dress up, right? So that takes a lot of pressure off, off of everyone's shoulders. Um, and I always make sure that, you know, there's no excuse for anybody to lose their temper uh, or treat anybody with disrespect. Um, and I think that as humans, we're very result oriented, right? That's, that's where the pressure comes into. It's like, whatever I'm doing has to be good. It's got to be great. So I try to make sure that we focus on uh, the process itself of making the movie, you know, cultivating a good filmmaking family, making the process enjoyable for everybody involved. And I think that helps with everybody's mental state. Uh, it also is good for morale from the project because, Absolutely. you know, when you're shooting independent films and you're working 12 hours a day, it's, uh, it's really hard, right, on everybody. So to keep everybody in a positive state of mind is super important. I love that. Uh, one of the things I learned specifically, yeah, is like a lot of times I'd be on set and people would be like, you know, if you don't need to be in Video Village step away from Video Village. And I remember making my film and there's people that didn't need to be around Video Village that were there, but they were energized by what they saw on monitor. Right. So I learned to like really let everybody absorb what we were doing and like make everybody feel included because it went a long way in keeping everybody pumped and like keeping the set moving at a, at a great pace. So. Absolutely. And and I, I, I feel like while while as strenuous and difficult as indie filmmaking is with the constrained budgets and the, and the limited crew and the limited assets and everything that kind of is involved with it, it's the best learning experience ever because you do have to be creative. You do have to be, you know, come up with ideas off the cuff and, and all these contingencies that you have to try to figure out and throw in and make it work to get your stuff done and I feel like going through that process especially when you surround yourself with the right crew and the right people and like you said you build that family boy when you get a budget imagine what you're going to be able to do if you could pull off what you do with no money just imagine what you're going to do when somebody hands you some money you know so I, I just always feel like that environment that that work environment and and that experience is so beneficial moving forward with your career when we, when you do start getting big budget features and you do start getting some money behind your projects. It, I mean, there, there's nothing like it. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And I and I just got to say, man, I want to be on one of your sets. I mean, <laughs> it seems like, like things are just very laid back yet very professional. You get the job done, but everybody also has a great time and just has fun because at the end of the day, we all just need to have a little fun on set. Whatever we're doing, we need to enjoy the life that we're living we don't need to be miserable that's right yeah i right. think so I, I i hope that the pursuit of my career doesn't define me and i'm, I'm remembered as a, a person that cares about other people you know above all absolutely so. uh, well just from the interview so far alone we could tell that that's actually the truth and and that's the people we like to associate with and the people that you, you know we think go a long way and will be very successful um i'm definitely we're definitely going to talk about the, the current one that you've got ready to come out you that you're that you're going to be debuting um, but we want to talk about this a little bit because, boy, the industry is kind of like going through some changes, right? Like with the whole theatrical battle, mm -hmm. should it should it be released theatrically? Should it be released on streamers? Should they be released at the same time? Um, w as a filmmaker coming up and, and with stuff about to come out, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing in the industry right now? And, and as a storyteller – do you love the idea that on streaming you can just reach this like I, this idea of this massive audience worldwide that you might not necessarily get with a theatrical release? Or do you say, I'm a filmmaker, I make films for the screen, that's where I want it. 
Uh, talk about that a little bit. What's your process or thought process behind that? Yeah, I'm actually extremely excited with the direction the industry is going right now. Um, not only have we like awakened socially, which was very important in the last few years, right? But I feel like with this new dynamic and this new platform and, and streaming being so huge takes a lot of pressure off of if you're going to make a project for theaters, the type of overhead that comes with theaters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't get me wrong, movie going experiences. I, I love going to the movies. Um, but I think that this online digital platform for a lot of us independent filmmakers is freeing because you don't have the pressure of trying to make your recoup your investment if you were to go into a theater. Um, I also think that we're just heading in a direction as an industry overall where I feel like there's going to be less money to be made overall in the industry. Right. And I think that will help uh, incentivize people that are actually just passionate about telling stories and not necessarily making money, uh, they're going to be more prominent. And uh, I think as the industry uh, in, in its entirety will benefit from that. Um, so I'm excited. Yeah, that's a great answer because storytellers are storytellers, right? And as long as your story is getting out there and it is getting seen by people, that's that's the whole point. Uh, I, and I really love that answer. So Okay, let's talk about it, man. You, you, you know, let's let's get into it. We've got the new one coming up down east, right? And the, boy, does this one sound interesting? I I, I mean, yeah. it, it's the underbelly of Maine. If that doesn't get the attention right there, like, wait, there's an underbelly. There's a, like, there's right. some, there's some serious <laughs> crime going on in Maine. Like, what? Uh, this dude, it sounds amazing. Talk about that. Let, let let's get into it. Uh, down east. Where's the title come from? Where's the story come from? Uh, how'd this all come about, man? Yeah, so it all started actually when we were making our previous feature film, Dark Harbor. Uh, and we were, were casting the film and this amazingly talented actor, Greg Finley, comes in and auditions for a role. Uh, and he just wasn't right for the part, but we loved his performance. Uh, and he was also from Maine and we shot Dark Harbor from Maine. Okay. He's like, oh, you guys are shooting this in Maine. I'm from Maine. Uh, this is going to be awesome. Uh, so we met with him after we shot Dark Harbor and uh, Edwin Stevens, the cinematographer and executive producer of Downey's, uh, you know, he, he's from Maine as well. And Greg came to us with this idea and he trusted me enough to write it. Um, so I took his idea, I ran with it. And the, the three of us kind of um, developed the script over the next year. And uh, and then we, we just got it done. It was um, it was a real pleasure working with, uh, with Greg, with Ed and our other producer, Corey Pike. Um, and Maine is special. Uh, I didn't travel much uh, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really leave the tri-state area until I moved to L.A., aside from like maybe a few trips to Disney World. So uh, <laughs> I was working on a documentary with Edwin Stevens, and he took me to Maine for the first time, and I felt like I was on the edge of the world. I immediately fell in love. And specifically, Portland, Maine, is one of my favorite cities in America. It's got great food, great people, but everything has got this salt stained, rustic look, and it's absolutely beautiful, and it's got so much character. Uh, I was thrilled to be able to make a movie there. And I, and I love that you said character, because literally the scene, the scenic atmosphere there is a character itself in any film, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, it aided us tremendously. Uh, Ed Stevens, uh, the cinematographer, is comes from a documentary background, so he's used to kind of showing up and seeing what light is available and he's very talented he'll enhance that light but when he shows he when he shoots Maine it's just it feels like just a match made in heaven <laughs> it really is great I'm, I'm so excited for people to see this yeah man and I mean speaking of when can people see it and where will they be able to see it because myself personally after hearing you talk about it and how you t- talk about your work I'm super pumped to support your vision and support everything you're doing so where can I watch it <laughs> oh man I really appreciate that I hope I didn't set the bar too high no 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 <laughs> um, it's actually premiering <laughs> it's premiering at the garden state film festival in jersey so i'm going back to my roots there at the end of march 
Um, and the cool thing about this festival is like once COVID hit, uh, they were the first festival to really like go online, not let COVID stop them, do everything virtually. And some of these festivals are geo-blocked, meaning like if you're premiering at a festival in Austin, it's only available online in Austin. Right. Garden State, the whole world can see it. Nice. So you can go to, you know, Garden State Film Festival's website. Um, the schedule should be released very soon, but we're premiering at the end of March there. Uh, and then we'll take it from there and see where it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. And now, now you said it, it's a it's an idea from uh, Greg Finley, right? So is there is this pure mm-hmm. fiction, or is there a little like truth to the story, or what's the background from the story? Like, uh, talk about that a little bit because it's really interesting, you know, about about a woman who returns to her hometown after a long period after the mysterious death death of her brother and kind of gets caught up in the whole world and everything. Just wondering about where that kind of thought process comes from. Yeah. Uh, Portland does have uh, an opioid problem for sure. Okay. And a lot of the plot centers around this, this drug smuggling. Um, but the film is predominantly fiction. Okay. Greg had been living with this type of character for a long time in his head. Mm. And I think the beauty of it is when he took the project to us, we all have the same creative DNA, but we're also very different as well. So there was a lot of push and pull, very healthy push and pull involved when we were, you know, kind of shaping the story. Um, and I think what we, we, we all love that those throwback kind of feels like a modern day on the waterfront. Mm, there you go. And we knew we wanted to make a film that lived in this gray area. We knew we didn't want to make a film where there was a clear cut hero and a clear cut villain. And when the hero struggles to beat the villain, everything goes okay. We want to, we want to create projects that exist in this moral ambiguity where characters lack a strong moral compass. And that was something that I think we were all passionate to explore. Uh, And I think we did a pretty good job. Fantastic. And boy, I, I'm just going to tell you this because I'm, I'm an old school guy and, and you can tell that you're straight up filmmaker, straight up storyteller because the, in this interview, you've already referenced two unbelievably classic films. That's what I was just with about Rebel to say. Without a Cause and On the Waterfront. <laughs> Both story-driven dramas that were intense. Talk about moral compass with the lead characters and all that. Dude, you, you are a true filmmaker and a it. true storyteller. Anybody that st- just starts throwing those type of th- movies in into the conversation you can tell where your passion is and where your art is coming from and i love that man thank you <laughs> of course of course and something new we're doing on the podcast to have a little fun um we ask our guests what shows have you been watching during this crazy ass time because everybody knows we've been stuck in the house for so long <laughs> so what shows are you streaming oh, at yeah. the moment uh so this is actually insane because of all the great stuff that's been coming right out. But i watched the sopranos for like the 10th time there again. you go <laughs> Uh, binge watched that, but I recently binged Succession for the first time. I was mm. to the game on Succession. Yeah. Love Succession. I heard that one was good. Um, I haven't watched I, it Obviously, the, yeah, the Queen's Gambit was up there for me. Yes. We really enjoyed watching that. Um, I'm clamoring for season three of Fleabag and Atlanta. I thought those shows were great. I watched them recently. And I don't know if they're actually coming out with the season three, because every time I read something on Donald Glover, he's doing something amazing that's not Atlanta season three. So I'm getting a little worried. Yeah, right. man. Uh, <laughs> in Atlanta were phenomenal. Yeah, we, do, we, we just talked about that on uh, the show last week. I think that big overall new deal with Amazon, I'm, I'm not so sure we're going to see uh, season three happen. I, I don't mean to be a downer, but I just I think know. Disney and FX are going to be like, see you, Donnie. You go have fun at Amazon, but we're yeah. not doing Atlanta season three. So I don't know, man. 
<laughs> I know. I I really hope so though, because they said they were going to film those two seasons back to back. Right. I mean, so maybe I, it's in the can. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully. need a conclusion, man. Need a conclusion. Okay. And another thing, because you know, coming from the indie filmmaking world, we we're positive you have a story here. Another thing that we're asking, because we think it's always fun and always cool to hear these experiences, especially for the up and comers. What's the most embarrassing thing? that has happened to you thus far on a set? Ooh. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know you got uh, a good one, and we know you do. Yeah. So I think when we were shooting Dark Harbor, uh, we, we hit a situation where, due to the scheduling conflicts of all the cast that we, we had attached, we had to shoot the climax of the film on days two, three, and four. Oh, damn. Uh, but it became apparent on day two that we had to rewrite that ending. <laughs> so I spent a couple hours before we started shooting rewriting that ending and then uh, got the cast and crew on board with it. Luckily, everybody was professionals and they were able to roll with it. And it, it, it turned out really wonderful. But our antagonist showed up on day three, mm. a day into the changes. And I realized that I did not relay the changes to him. But <laughs> he showed up on day three, totally unaware that his, his arc has been completely rewritten. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty embarrassing for me to meet him for the first time in person and be like, oh, by the way, yeah, it, I... the ending is completely different. Uh, <laughs> but he was luckily Sterling Hurst. He was an absolute professional. And uh, he really liked the direction we went. And the whole casting crew was just, and once we got done day, day four, we were like, we could accomplish anything. And the rest of the shoot felt like a piece of cake. So. There you go. Yeah, I can only imagine that temporary feeling like, oh, uh, shit. Uh, my bad. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Listen, so this is going to happen. <laughs> and I didn't really know him, so I was like, I don't know how he's going to react right? to this. He handled it with such grace. Oh, oh man. man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, also something else we like to do at the very end of the interviews is have our guests let the fans know where to follow you because it's all about social media now. Yeah, you could follow me. I'm most active on Instagram, at Joe Rafa on Instagram. Uh, but you'll probably get inundated with pictures of my dog and my 8-year-old. So <laughs> as long as you're up for that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Man, love it's good. Yeah, people love kids and dogs, dude. I think you're solid. I think it's good. I think it's good. And and right. so what we want to do too is, like I said, we because we do have a lot of up and comers listening and a lot of people trying to break into the industry. So what we also like to do is have you tell us what piece of advice would you give those people trying to break into the industry or maybe who have gotten in but just getting started and what pitfalls would you try to say to avoid? Yeah, I think uh, I think I got two big ones. Um, the first being that uh, a lot of people tell you like the hardest part is getting started. Right. I think it's incredibly difficult to get started. I agree 100%. But for me, the hardest part was, you know, making my first feature film, putting my heart and soul into it, and then it not doing what I thought it would. It didn't get into South by Southwest, right? And I ultimately considered it a failure. Um, so the hardest part was putting my heart and soul into something and then having to start all over. Mm -hmm. And after my first group projects were, wasn't the success as I thought they would be. Uh, I self-sabotaged myself for a couple of years and I was afraid to put myself out there as a writer director. I just worked on other people's projects. And then I realized, you know, 99% of the people in this industry, they're not wonderkins, right? Your development is a process. That's right. Um, and once I, once I kind of came to that realization and I realized the next thing I did didn't have to win an Oscar, I was free to kind of uh, continue uh, honing my craft and working on my skills. And I realized that I just want to improve myself as a filmmaker uh, on each project, one after the next. And that was uh, that was important for me to learn. Absolutely. And in that same vein, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was going to say that 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 just brings it back to what Logan was talking about earlier. This is like literally an industry built on rejection, and you can have like a remarkably 
unbelievably awesome film that might not do what you wanted it to do or might not get seen. And and so your a strong mental game and a strong support system is absolutely necessary for this industry, no doubt. And it sounds like you've got that. Yeah. Okay. So pitfall. Yeah. And what I, pitfalls I would, would you say, say? I would say that people get caught up in uh, thinking that you know it's who you know, and it's definitely you know an industry of who you know. Mm-hmm. But I think you already know them. I wouldn't focus on trying to meet somebody in a position of power that can give you that next break. In my experience, it's the people, it's your peers that you grow with that lift each other up, right? It's your friend who's an assistant right now. Ten years down the line, he might be a development executive. That's right. Or the other friend that can't get their script sold right now might be the creator of a series in 15 years. So you need to build relationships with the people that are in the same boat as you because it's the only way you're going to survive this voyage is if you do it together. And uh, Don't try and... uh, Separate yourself from the pack. Be the pack. Be one with the pack. And, and you know, trust each other. Uh, help develop each other. And, and everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna find success. That well, Joe, I can tell you, you've got a solid game plan. You're on the right track, and your and your thought process. Because I, just from personal experience, man, we've interviewed Oscar winners and 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 Golden Globe winners and and major stars and were producers and every and they all said the same exact thing you just did. It's it's not just about who you know. It's about building and maintaining relationships because the people you know now could be the people that 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 like you said, ten years from now could be that person. And and so, dude, you're you're so there, my friend. You are so there. Yeah, hey, that's comforting to hear. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you bet, man. You bet. <laughs> Well, listen, man, this has been an absolute joy to talk to you. We always love having young guys come on who are just getting it done and getting it started and, and seeing some success. And, dude, this film sounds absolutely amazing. Again, Down East, guys, and it's going to debut uh, pretty soon March, right, at, at the Garden State Film Fest. So just go right around the corner, man. So we'll make sure to direct everybody to check that out. Um, and continued success and open invite, man. Anytime you want to come back and promote anything or just come on and talk, uh, dude, open invite. Hey, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Really enjoyed talking to you guys. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it. You have a great rest of the night, dude, and just take care, man. All right. You as well. See you guys later. Yep. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. So good, man. So good. I love when we get the up-and-comers that come on who have started to gain that success and still have such a level head. Yeah, dude. And and he, he's got it, you know the right attitude and the right thought process from the very beginning. Yeah. Surround yourself with the right group of people, build that family type of atmosphere, and then maintain those relationships. And I really do feel like that's where you find success. And yeah, so, man. Good for him, man. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Completely agree. Thank you again, Joe Rafa, for coming on the show. All right. Now it is time for the top five segments. Oh, boy. I mean, do you like bad guys? I feel like a lot of people like bad guys. I love bad guys. Villains are the – I'm sorry, but this was a great category because villains are the best part of the movie sometimes. It's true. I mean, so – It's true. It only makes sense. mm, mm. But yes, top five villains this week. (laughs) Jason getting harder and harder like we keep saying. I mean, seriously. One time we should just call him up and say, all right, give us your five. Yeah, right. Let's see how easy it is. No, it's not easy. Come on now. uh, We'll be a villain. Exactly. We'll be the villain in the scenario. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yes! But my number five this week goes to – the Joker. Mm. I mean, of course, of course. Personally, I think he's the best villain in the DC universe. I mean, of course, going head to head with Batman all the time, and of course, all the other different adversaries. Now, which Joker? I mean, film standpoint, Heath Ledger, always. Uh, but 
most recently thinking about because I didn't know. I'm not a comic book person. We all know this. I didn't know. But thinking about uh, what's his name there, the portrayal of the comedian turned bad guy. So, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that what, one. What's, what's that character's name? What, Jokers? Yeah. Well, his real name. I, I mean, but it's it's different. It's ah. like, yeah, it's different from what it was in the comic books. I see. Yeah, so even I don't remember what Joaquin's was in mm. there, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. The Red Hood. He was the Red Hood, hence the Red Hood Joker. Now you're like, just confusing everybody. I know, Who I know. doesn't know the comic books? <laughs> just <laughs> saying. I'm just All saying. right. And the reason I asked is which Joker, because uh, one of the best Jokers of all time in the movies was my number five, but not for the Joker. My number five villain is Jack Torrance. Mm. All, oh, shit. Yeah. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> and then he bashes your fucking head in. Yes. Like, I'm, of course, talking about Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance in The Shining. Of course. I mean, one of the most epic villains ever. When he's smashing that door in and he's got, here's, I mean, it's scary as shit. Yeah. It's just scary as shit. I don't know what's more scary, him poking through that door or his frozen ass face at the end. Like, <laughs> I, it's just like, but he's a villain. And he's a badass. It's true. It's true. Well, my number four goes to someone who I love to hate on Game of Thrones. Like, I, every time <laughs> this guy came on screen, you knew that something fucking shitty was about to happen. Yes. I honestly hate him so much. But, I mean, that's why I had to put him in my top five villains because he was such a good villain. Joffrey Baratheon Ooh, from Game of Thrones. Yes. He was the teenage king for the majority of the series. Oh, my goodness, guys. This kid was such a little shit. Every time he came on screen, you're like, oh, something's about to be fucked up. Something's about to happen. Like, it, it was just insane. It was absolutely insane. So I was super happy when that motherfucker finally died. Damn. I'm just saying. Damn. I'm just saying. But he was a really good villain. I feel like he turned you into a villain. I, that, that I, a little harsh. bit. That a little harsh. bit. He was a little shit. He was a little shit. All right. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> it's good. This is <laughs> my number four. You kept asking over and over and over, who the fuck is this villain? Who is this guy? You don't know through the whole movie. You're no guessing. Idea. Who is Kozer Soshi? Like, yeah. come on, guys. Who is Kaiser Soche from? Uh, the, there it is. The, yeah, you guys know. <laughs> I mean, one of the all-time, all-time brilliant deceptions in a movie. Mm. Like, you don't know. You, the whole time you're guessing who really is Kaiser Soche, right? Yeah. It, you guys know who, you guys who know. the fuck it was. We won't mention him because he's uh, yeah, like, you know. <laughs> maybe Spacey. <laughs> but, you, I mean, come on, guys. Uh, usual Suspects, it's fucking fantastic. He, like him or hate him, I mean, I guess even everything he does, he's a pretty good fucking villain. Yeah. And now apparently in, in real, real life, life too. And, <laughs> yeah. on, and on screen. <laughs> exactly. Like, motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> well, my number three <laughs> goes to Lord Voldemort. Everybody, oh. all those Harry Potter fans out there know this guy, I mean, popping back up in every carnation, basically, in all fucking eight of the Harry Potter films. Like, he was just Boom. kept popping up. I mean, he was in The Sorcerer's Stone, he was in Tom Riddle's Diary, and just so much shit, practicing the dark arts to try to get back at Harry. And, of course, Harry trying to get back at him for killing Harry's parents. So it's just a whole bunch of backstory there, whole bunch of bad blood. So, of course, Lord Voldemort is my number three. There you go. Yeah, man. Now, excuse me, I had to take a little sip of water for YouTubers there. Um, my number three is, once again, related to Jack Nicholson, but not from the same movie, a different movie. But this woman, 
might be the baddest female villain ever. I'm just saying, she's pretty fucking bad. She's crazy. Nurse Ratched. Mm. Yeah, mm. she, she had that shit. The shit with the I lobotomy, mean, like, that was she terrifying. And she was like, oh my gosh, she was not pleasant. No, she was not, not pleasant. <laughs> and now we know why she became the way she was because of the series, you know, and, and like just Nurse Ratched. Yeah. You, I don't ever want a nurse like that. Never. I've had some bad ones. Yeah. And I've had some great ones, but I've never had a Nurse Ratched, and I don't want one. I had to get my blood drawn today, and I felt like I had a Nurse Ratched. She was very rough <laughs> with inserting the needle. Luckily, she didn't puncture like anything, but you know. I, difficult. I hope you never have to go through the humiliating process of having a nurse ratchet no. where you have to be shaved and they got to uh, move your junk. Yeah, I don't have – I don't want to do that. I don't – It's not nice. It's it, not. It, it's not nice. Just – they don't care. They're just like flop. <laughs> like, okay. Like, all right. Okay. Nurse ratchet, my number three there villain. There <laughs> That's why she's a villain. Just move on. Move there on. There it That's is. Good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, my number two goes for all those Sherlock fans out there, Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, and uh, Jim Mortiarty, Andrew Scott himself. We talked a little bit about him in the news. Oh, Sherlock, he's just absolutely insane. He's like one of the only guys who can outsmart Sherlock, and then at the end, of course, everybody knows Sherlock outsmarted him, but I'm this guy just portrays Mortiarty in such a fantastic way on BB's, BBC's version of Sherlock, uh, Andrew Scott does, and like, I don't know, just overall, one of my all-time favorite villains, obviously, since it's on the top five, <laughs> but, like, I, if I wasn't such a huge fan of the next one, he might have been my number one. Andrew Scott, like I said, such a good portrayal of Moriarty. I, I love it. Yeah. I love the list so far. I yeah. mean, these are, like, fantastic. Okay, my number two, hard to not put this guy on the list just because it's creepy again. I picked a lot of creepy you ones. You did. Like, not you necessarily had... scary, but just fucking creepy in you the did. sense that they're all real. They could all be real. And that's why it's terrifying. Yeah. My number two, Hannibal Lecter. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, come on. When that... Yeah, that's terrifying. I mean, that, just that. Like, that done over done i mean this guy is terrifying and from start to finish you know when you got to put a muzzle on your fucking mouth so, so you don't eat people that's a pretty good villain <laughs> yeah i mean Woo! to be honest like <laughs> yeah. i yeah i watched the uh the prequel to that film in it or hannibal lecter i think it's yeah called. yeah that yeah, no, was terrifying yeah. as well everything about that guy yeah, I mean everything. Yeah, and now we're gonna find out more because you know now we're getting her side of it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you know. feel bad for her, man. Yeah, man, feel bad for her. Woo. Well, my yeah. number one, I have to like pair these two together because without one, there couldn't have been another. My number one goes to Darth Vader, but of course we have to mention Emperor Palpatine. Those two motherfuckers, like the most evil conspiracy motherfuckers ever. Star Wars, obviously, if you're not a Star Wars fan, these are from Star Wars. Uh, but yes, these guys were absolutely <laughs> wild. Of course, Darth Vader still being a good guy deep, 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 deep down. Uh, but still, I mean, they basically took over a whole galaxy. So what's more evil than that? Mm. Taking over a whole galaxy. Yeah. I'll tell you what's more evil than that, now that you asked. Mm. Greed. Mm -hmm. mm. Some, pe some people would say greed is good. Yeah? Yeah, all right. So, so now that gives it dead away. My number one, again, scary villain because it could be real. 
Gordon Gecko. Mm-hmm. I mean, that motherfucker is a badass villain. He won an Oscar for it. Yeah. So you know how good it was. He's a, just like, what a total douche. <laughs> what a total but douche. But I loved every second. I'm not even going to lie. I had the Greed is Good poster on my wall. I fucking used that monologue for some auditions. I mean, I just, Gordon Gecko. I mean, at the time, living large in the 80s, that office, the fucking suspenders and the, like, just. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Yes, yes, it was great. It was great. And Money Never Sleeps. Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, the sequel. When you think he's turned the leaf, you think he's a good guy. He's been playing him the whole fucking time, and he's still gecko at the end. <laughs> I loved that yeah. shit. Oh, my God. He stole from his own fucking daughter. Yeah. Like, all of her money. Like, oh. I know. Evil. I know. Gecko. All of these franchises you guys should go watch if you haven't seen them already. Like, it's so great. It's so great. What are your top five villains? We want to know. Be sure to leave a comment in the YouTube section below or be sure to (laughs) add us on social media. We love the fan interaction and we just generally want to know yeah oh man now heading over to the box office recap it was a big week for disney ryan the last dragon actually did pretty decent with uh, 8.6 million theaters starting to reopen so you know we're starting to get in there a little bit starting to get in there number two was tom and jerry with 6.6 million number three was chaos walking with 3.8 million number four was boogie with 1.2 million and number five was the crudes a new age with 780 thousand yeah that that's it man no so so like chaos walking is that boogie maybe are you like boogieing if you're chaos walking are these dances are we sure they're movies are these dances like i don't even they're just all new dance moves tiktok invented them (laughs) that's right that's right the tiktok chaos walking oh (laughs) Oh, man new (laughs) movies that are coming out this week though are the dead of the night cherry is now on apple tv plus uh trust Come True and the Truffle Hunters. I'm oh. always hunting for some good truffles. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, I love truffles. Of course. So Movies know. you can possibly <laughs> still go see in a movie theater that should be opening near you soon. Uh, the Little Things, Wonder Woman 1984, The Marksman, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Monster Hunter. Fun stuff, man. Fun stuff. Absolutely fun stuff. Now heading over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. You guys know we love this app. It's talking about everything that's trending in Hollywood right now. If it's going down in Hollywood, they're talking about it, and we're also talking about it. So it's like we're partnered, but we're not partnered. It's like an undisclosed partnership that we just haven't talked about yet. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. Sure. Uh, The top trending movie this week is Coming to America, the sequel. And you've seen this one. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Because yeah. of your review. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it in the industry news section. I just, I was not a fan. I mean, I loved the 80s shoutbacks and, and like there were like, you know, some cool stuff. But overall, it, it just, it was the same fucking film with different people. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And top trending TV show by no surprise is WandaVision. Yes. Still reigning high. We're still reigning tall. Emmy. Give her an Emmy. Do it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Paul deserves one too, but definitely Lizzie. Just saying. Do Just it. Saying. Do it. And the top trending star is Brianne Howie from something. Yeah, no, the, you know that. What, what's that cheap? Uh, now I can't even. Gigi and something, that cheap knockoff of Gilmore Girls. Mm. Remember, you know mm. what show I'm talking about. That's where it's from, that mm. one. Yeah. Her. Yeah. So, so. there it is. <laughs> there <laughs> it is. 
Oh, man. Well, thank you guys for getting crazy with us on episode 153 this week, guys. It was absolutely a blast. A lot of industry news segment. The past three weeks have been absolutely wild going down everything that's going down in Hollywood. Slam packed. I know, man. I know. Be sure to follow our guest, this guy right here, Joe Rafa. Yes. Man, he is just an amazing guy. He's got a bright future ahead of him, so I'm so super excited for him. Be sure to follow him on social media. Be sure to follow us on social media at Crazy Ant Media and at ItCaf Podcast. And you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media. Myself at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right, man. That's right. And you guys know you subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're All watching true. this video on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button subscribe and ring the bell for all the latest notifications that are going down on our youtube channel we appreciate it guys and of course be sure to visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear today 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 and you guys know you can donate to our patreon page as well start showing some love to the guys you love man (laughs) it was an absolutely great show but of course talking about all of the things going down in hollywood i mean there's just so freaking much i mean with gray's anatomy being so crazy this week i'm so super thrilled that they're bringing back yet another face sarah drew coming back and just all the disney stuff especially the um well, this isn't Disney, but this is in the news. Racial inequality. That oh. I mean, that's so important right now. And especially for to have that analyst come back and say, look, this is what's happening. This is how much money you lost out on for not necessarily doing the right thing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And of course, like Disney's continued epic surge with Disney Plus. Yeah. Fucking well over $100 million now. It's crazy. I, I mean, it's insane how fast it's like booming, of course. You know, and just like... I don't even know the, the announcement with, with Iris coming into the Flash movie. Oh, yeah. Although, I mean, you know, like, like, can we stop dissing Zack Snyder? <laughs> Warner Brothers, stop dissing him because everybody he casts, you're using in all these movies. It's just true. like fucking, I mean, just, it's his movie's canon. Just God saying. damn it. It's his movie that's canon. Just, just saying. Like, and Chloe Bennett. In the fucking Powerpuff Girls. What is up with that? What? Yeah. <laughs> As I, I mean, I, that that's definitely one of my favorite parts. I, I just, I'm still shocked by that. <laughs> that's the only reason he's gonna watch it, right there. It probably, probably. Pro- I mean, you know. And of course, the one and only oh that matters because she brought so much freaking ratings <laughs> to CBS this week. She rocks. Gail loves her. We love her. <laughs> Oprah. Oprah!